are back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me today, the one and only Mr. Kevin Durso. How are you, buddy? I'm doing all right. Yeah, it's good to be back. We're, uh, <laughs> we are recording this after the conclusion of the Stanley Cup. I know we talked about it a little bit on our latest episode, but we are a couple days late recording at night. It's a little bit of a different vibe here at uh, this week's show. Well, uh, no, we would have done big, the Sunday thing, but somebody, you know, some a couple teams had something to say about that, so we held yeah, off for the, we held off for the end of the Cup final, and now that it's been awarded and all that, we can move forward with this. And off season here, and it was a phenomenal series, and we will talk about that towards the second half of the show here. But uh, we have really big Flyers news, and honestly, if the news was any smaller, we probably would have started with the Cup. But this is really big news, and uh, we have to talk about the fact that the Philadelphia Flyers have a new head coach, and it's memorific. Uh, John Tortorella comes to town. Memorific. There's a word. Man, listen. Him in the bubble a couple years ago with Columbus was an absolute goldmine. Telling what he thought about Artemi Panarin being in the restroom, uh, Anthony Duclair's work ethic, um, we we heard some real truth bombs out of Torts a couple years ago, and they, they talk about Philadelphia being a little bit of a microscope, and John Tortorella, man, it's going to be fun watching him interact with certain <laughs> members of the media, let's be honest. <laughs> Are you trying to, you know, is that a thinly veiled shot to me? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, okay. no, absolutely no, 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 not I'm you. Just, I'm just joking, you know. Yeah, they're, you know. I, I don't know if you caught that Crossing Broad ran and actually ran an article that that was after the all the initial reporting stuff about Tortorella. Somebody else who's over there ran a thing. You know, okay, let's let's set the odds on who the first uh, media member that gets blown up. You know, by Torts. Sam Carcitti. Uh I don't remember exactly what his odds were, Sam but it was Carcitti. it was high on the list. I will tell you that. Um, the funny part was that. Uh, all the guys over at 97.3 tweeted out that it, I'm at plus 950 or something like that, I guess. And I, wa- I wasn't really in the article. Like, I was rest of field, if you will. Okay. But they they jokingly shared the article and then retweeted with me. At the, the, like, oh, they we'll say, we'll say me at, nine, at plus 950. Which, we'll give you a write-in spot. We'll, we'll see what happens. I You know, unfortunately, you know, well, the, the press conference, the introductory press conference was done virtually. And, you know, I didn't get a question in. I wanted to. I had hand raised like you typically do for those things. And I sat there for 50 minutes trying to get on there, but didn't work out. But you, you know, know what I think might get you? What's that? You know what I think might get you? I think I think you're a bit of a baby face and he's going to look at you and think you're a kid. <laughs> um, That depends. Are we uh, am I talking to him without a mask on this time? Because. Like, if we're in the room with a mask on, I don't think it matters as much. Man, that's fair. I, look, look, hey, look, I'm 30. I'll take baby face all day long. Don't get me wrong. But all right, you, know, you what? know what I'm talking about. I think he's used to crotchety can old I, reporters, and I think I, you then, might be I a little young. Can I counter them? Because I hope that the little shades of gray that are starting to show up and, and the fact that sometimes, if, you know, if I look close enough, I sit there and I go, geez, you know whose hairstyle I have? Mike Sullivan's. <laughs> and, and Mike Sullivan's, like, towards his best friend. Okay. So maybe that'll rub rub him the right way or something. I don't know. Like I've like I've noticed before. I'm like, oh my god. Like if if, if, if all it needs to do is get grayer, and I'm gonna look like Mike Sullivan. So okay, back to <laughs> Tortorella here. Back We've to gone Tortorella. off the rails already. Less than five minutes into the show. Hey, you asked, okay? You you're asked right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> John Tortorella. Um, yes. 
four year four year deal yep. somewhere in the neighborhood of sixteen to eighteen million, according to Elliot Friedman on the latest Thirty Two Thoughts podcast. Um, Closer to sixteen, what, probably because they said approximately four, but I'm yeah, sure, I'm sure there's change involved. There's in probably that. some bonuses in there. I don't um, think it's, it's not as high as because I've seen some other coaches who have been hired lately who yeah. are approaching different orders. I think. Didn't Peter DeBora with Dallas get like four point five mil a year or something like something that? like that? And I think like it was over five much. years. It's not that much though. Right. Like it's not towards um, not that much, which is kind of a surprise when you think about it. Like no, it's it's pretty, carries a lot of weight, you know. Yeah, it's a pretty reasonable deal, all things considered. Yeah. And uh, but what does it mean for the Flyers? You think? Oh wow! You know, I, I've been asked that question a lot. I know I'm just lobbing you a softball here. No, it's a loaded question. That's the thing. Because what does it mean? Well. You know, if you listen to Torts' press conference to start everything off, then you know it means business because of the fact that that's the way that Torts operates. Like, sure, you got the whole discussion about, you know, about how this is like he already has camp plans and he's, you know, it's going to be a hard camp. They're going to do a lot of skating. It's going to be, you know, learning how to play away from the puck is a big part of it. Structure is a word he used a lot. But will like, they hit the beach? <laughs> or, or do something else on the beach? <laughs> Yes, I got your point. Um, either way, I, like, let's not sugarcoat the deal with Tortorella here. Like, John Tortorella is a good coach. Yeah, he just, he just is. You don't. You're not 14th all time in coaching wins. You're not second among American coaches by being bad. You know, and, like, and you're he, a good coach. But honestly, situation is the question. I think. Well, right, and honestly, I I think that is the problem. Quite frankly, all all the respect in the world to John Tortorella, I think he is incredibly entertaining i think he is a very talented nhl head coach and like i said i believe that is the problem because he okay so when elaine vigno got hired Mm -hmm. we talked about how he's a piss and vinegar coach and the first 18 months is when you're probably going to get your best results out of him and he comes in and he fires the boys up and blah 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 but it wears thin over time john tortorella is the exact same way you know, he does it differently, obviously, and sure. he's not really all that similar as a coach. Mm-hmm. But he has a sim- that similar quality with Elaine Vigneault. And I'm sitting here looking at the current roster, and I'm looking at the next 18 months. <laughs> and I see John Tortorella, quite frankly, being talented enough to drag this team to um, another mediocre finish, something we've seen over the last decade. I want to pull up the about it ad nauseum. Right, yeah, and we've I talked about it ad nauseum on this show because drafting between 14th and 18th doesn't do you a whole lot of good long term. And I know you know you find players there, blah blah blah, Joel Farabee, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but that's not the point. Is you're not getting the elite talent that you need to really compete and make a push. Right. We're, you know, we'll talk about the Stanley Cup later, and it was two just absolutely star-studded rosters all the way up and down the list. The, 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 a, a large number of them picked in the top ten. That's two two absolute wagons of teams, like they're right. just loaded. Right, and they're all it, chock full of top five, top ten picks. Sure. Now, I mean, and we'll I'll get into that more when we get to the Colorado side of it for sure, because I wrote about it and there were a certain way that I wrote about it that was kind of describing maybe the way that it really needs to be done. Not in the sense that you need to like Colorado never blew it up. Let's make that clear. They, there were multiple right. times where they could have, they did not blow it up. That's fair. But there, but there's a, there's a level of understanding that it is a journey and 
sticking with some stuff, you know, and I'll get into like I'll definitely get into it more when we get to the Colorado side of things. But you're not wrong about Tortorella in this sense. Like I'm looking at the roster right now, and I don't want to pull tons of names out of it because some of them we know should be better than what they are. Like we've seen better from a lot of the guys on that list than what they were last year or the year before, right? Sure. But let's just hypothetically say, and I'm just again I'm kind of randomly it's like throwing darts at the wall names here, but. Take a guy like Patrick Brown, Noah Cates, Scott Lawton, uh, you know, and let's go to the defensive side and say, eh, it's tough to say for the defensive side because they all could be better. I mean, there's qu- obviously there's been questions about how Risto will take. Well, something, Rella, but, something but take, you and I it, mentioned before the show is that Ivan Provorov should theoretically but Ivan do, Provorov do fairly is, well. And I agree. But Ivan Provorov is one of those picks that you're talking about. Yes. A top 10 pick that you need the most from. Right? I agree. Like, there's a big difference. And, you know, again, like, his draft year, it's already screwy because right. you take the top two out of the picture. And I know that you can't, but the top two were better than everybody else by a long shot. By a mile. Yeah. To the point where the guy who goes third in that draft, you're sitting there going, oh, yeah, he could have been number one any other year, but McDavid Eichel. You yep. know, like, so Ivan Provrov was probably a top five pick that year. Probably. And Travis Konechny was probably, instead of 24th, probably mid-teens, maybe? Like, realistically? Fair. If you take those two out of the picture and then also factor in kind of what he's become with some of the numbers. I mean, there's guys who haven't played like that. There's a lot of shuffling you can do because Barzell's in that draft. Shabbat's in that draft. Kyle Connor's in that draft. Like, I I really do wonder that if we've seen Travis Konechny's last game as a Philadelphia Flyer. I, here's what I will tell you again, and I stick by this, and I've stuck by this the whole way anyway. But I really do now with Tortorella being hired. Of the three names we've discussed the most, I can't see it being Travis Sanheim, and I can't see it being Ivan Provorov because Provorov they want. Let's be real, they want Provorov next to Ellis at some point. Will it happen? I don't know because we don't know much about Ryan Ellis at this point. That's just the way that it is. But they want Provorov next to Ellis to see if it elevates the game and. I think you got to see if Tortorella's system elevates Provorov's game. Question for you. Sure. You're Chuck Fletcher. Okay, here we go. Arizona calls. Uh-huh. Number five plus Travis uh-huh. Konechny for Four. Jacob Chikrin. If they're willing to actually accept that, i yeah. probably go running to the, dra- to the uh, trade center and sub- submit the trade call. Okay. I was just curious. I don't necessarily know if that's a deal that makes a whole lot of sense. I just kind of thought of it off the top of my head there. But I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why I make that deal. Because I don't know anything about Ryan Ellis right now. I'm okay with, like, I think you have no choice but to be okay with right. Sanheim, Ristolainen in the middle as the middle pairing because you're going to give that a shot. You know, you're gonna you're gonna have to, right? But isn't it? Aren't you happier? Well, okay. If you bring in Chikrin, that kind of gives you the flexibility to move Sandheim, which is something we've just briefly discussed, right? Because I don't think you're moving Ristolainen because I think that's a contract that Chuck Fletcher kind of has to see out a little bit here. Yeah. Um, well, but I think Sandheim is supremely movable at this point. I'll tell you what happens with that. It okay. makes more sense. If you were to pull off something like that, if you get sure. in for Konechny in a fifth and the fifth overall. Or maybe the, that's just the base of the deal and there's other then pieces. Going, sure. then, to, then to me, you're going, if you make that happen, you're going into next season 
I still you still need to sign a more realistic sixth option to play Fair. with Cam York. Because it's not going to be Nick Sealer. It can't be Nick Sealer. No, it can't but be Nick Sealer. And it can't you're gonna, be. <laughs> but I think you're going to start the year with Sanheim playing with Ristolainen and Provrov playing with Chikrin and see how much it works. And if you think Zamula is ready to play six? No. Okay. Absolutely not. Okay. He needs to get stronger. Is there any other kind of dark horse category, like an Adam Ginning type guy or no. any anybody floating around who might no, make, you a, gotta, make a run at that? You got to do Keith Yandel again, but better. Okay. Like you, like, and I, I say that meaning, like, when Keith Yandel got signed, and especially for the first, say, what, five games where he looked really good, obviously. Sure. Like, that was like the, oh, there it is, low risk, high reward. That's the deal you make, right? You got to think low risk, high reward here. And, sure. And just be smarter about it. Like, don't pick the guy who's attached to an Iron Man streak that you feel chained right. to. Pick a guy who you know that if, if, if he can't play, he can't play, and you can try something like, else. There, there's no way he would come here but a Zach Bogosian type. I, I think he actually has one more year left in Tampa. That's a good comparison. But that's I mean, the kind of guy you're looking for, a guy who can play 12 minutes a night and be okay. Yep. But, um, but, but either reason, way, John Tortorella. Say, well, no, but the reason I say you start with that is because since Sanheim's in, his la- in the last year of his contract, it does make him hit expendable as the deadline approaches if you are getting to the point where it's like, okay, this isn't working. I like, agree. This year didn't work either. Now you're back in the seller's chair again, and if you're back in the seller's chair again, Sanheim is a great piece to have at the deadline. And if you do make it through the draft and free agency with JVR, by the way, he is also a reasonable piece at the deadline because you can obtain that half a contract and JVR at 3.5 or 3.75 or whatever that number ends up being – that's worth get, something to a team. And you try to get some like picks back or a pick oh, back or whatever. Right. And if you go through a team like Detroit or Arizona who can retain some cap for a pick yeah. in their favor, you know, you can get that number down to a very reasonable number for a guy who can play second power play unit on a playoff team, no doubt, as the net front guy. Right. Yeah. You know? Exactly. But so either way, uh John Tortorella is in and one of the players that he will be commanding this season will be getting a little bit of a later start. So I did want to mention here that uh, yeah. Joel Farabee had surgery. Uh, we'll miss three to four months is the current estimate. But with this joke of a medical team, who knows? We'll see. Um, sorry. Uh, so, you know. Joel Farabee will not be ready to start the season. Um, theoretically, if all goes according to plan, he won't miss a ton of time, to be honest. He should be back, what, Thanksgiving-ish at the latest? It's tough to say because let's not sugarcoat the surgery. It's well, sure. The Jack, it's the Jack Eichel surgery. Okay. Now, Eichel had to wait a long time to get the procedure, then get moved where he really wanted, like somewhere he would actually play. Right. So that's why that saga was totally different. Farabee's sure. not going anywhere. So, well, and to be fair, Eichel did set precedent, and he right. went through now, it successfully, and was playing in like five weeks or something insane. Now, let's be clear about this, because I, there was a lot of talk, and I include like I included, and we got some clarification because there were reports about it that this only crept up recently. Because obviously, okay. the natural thought is here's an injury that's going to keep him out for three to four months. Why is this happening at the end of June, not at the beginning of May when your season ended? It didn't happen right away. It's probably something that they tried to let him rest through. 
if it was bothering him. He did have the he had a sure. like the shoulder injury. Sure. This you don't want to rush to neck surgery, especially with younger players. And, well, and who's to say like because because the surgery's already happened at this point, so sure. he's done. It's who's to say that part of that wasn't some second opinions, like trying to get some clear knowledge on is this the step right? Like right. before you have this surgery, you've got to be doing that right. But absolutely. But this goes back to, and this is what I tweeted once the news came out, was this is why you can't hope on injuries. And I, I want to pump the brakes on that a little bit because to me, like, listen, Kevin Hayes came back from injury, like, multiple times, but really when he came back that final time for the last couple of months, was as good as he looked all year. Absolutely. You saw, like, okay, he actually looks healthy now, and he looks like he can play. So you saw that he put up points in that little stretch of time. Now, you know, so assume that nothing changes, and I don't envision that it will. Like, it seems like he's past that now, so he gets to do the normal offseason again and not have this hopefully come up. But, you're, I mean, you're still hoping it doesn't resurface, but it's a lot more reasonable to say, hey, listen, we finally figured out the problem at the end of last season. He had the procedure because of the infection that they found, and now he gets to really rehab it the right way. He played when he came back. He looked good when he came back. It finally wasn't a problem. So, okay, you can be optimistic about Kevin Hayes. You can also be optimistic about Sean Couturier, who by the end of last season, after being out for the whole year or most of the year with the back surgery that he had, was right. skating already. So you can be optimistic about him too because you're like, okay, he was already on the ice. He's already trying to work his way back. That doesn't change anything. So you right, He was close to coming back at the end of the season. I Like... If there was they conversation were, about it. Well, like here's here's what it is. I don't think he was ever close to coming back, knowing where they were. But let's say they were a playoff team, just hypothetically speaking. He would probably have given it a go. Sure, I wouldn't be surprised. But he didn't have to, and they they and they did the right thing by not making him come back. You know, keep him off the ice, let him do the light skating, and he'll be ready to go any you know when September October rolls around, like everybody else. It's the Ryan Ellis thing for me again. Because when you yeah. don't know, when you don't know, you're hoping against hope. You're set. Everything's just a hopeful statement, and we don't have anything that like Sean Couturier is a hopeful statement that you have some stuff to back it up with. Yeah, right. he had the surgery, but he was skating by the end of last year. Okay, that makes some sense. Be optimistic about it. Kevin Hayes played the end of the season, looked good doing it. Okay, be optimistic about him. You Very got optimistic on Ryan Ellis. You, Ryan Ellis, you've got four games from last year. Yep, that's wonderful. And what, and no, four and no, years left, five years left? And no legitimate update whatsoever. Yep. Like, you need you needed something is, is kind of what I'm saying. Like, Farabee's update is something. I don't want to say it's nothing, but it just happened now. So you start, to, like, right away when you see the three to four months pop up, you start the counting, right? Right. Okay, let's do the four months then. End of July, August, September, October. Well, all right, you're already into the season by the end of October, so... Best case scenario, it's three months, and he's back at the maybe in the middle of training camp. You know, maybe a realistic expectation potentially is saying, can he be out for the season opener but practicing again so he's close? Right. Is it two weeks into the season, and we're talking end of October, and he hasn't missed that much time, but it's still a little bit of a you know in in baseball we would use the term extended spring training. Right or. The other alternative that you're not going to get from this because they're giving you a time frame of full recovery, but what if it's not perfect? And what if he, this is next thing you know it's Thanksgiving and he's sure. just getting, and he's just getting back and a quarter of your season's gone without yep. one of your best offensive players. At that, that point, Craig, 
at that point, quite frankly, you start looking at where you're at in the lineup and or where you're at in the standings. And if you're 10 and 19 at that point, like we're certainly not hurrying them back. Well, right. I think so. That's fair. I mean, it kind of goes both ways, though, doesn't it? Like you're also not hurrying them back if you start the season 10 and 5 either. That's fair. No, that's true. If you come out and you play well, and I don't like, I'm not trying to make that an expectation. Quite just, frankly, they shouldn't hurry him back no matter what. <laughs> well, right. But I'm saying if you're winning, you don't feel like you need to go to that well yet because you're going, okay, you're surviving without him. He continues to get closer and closer. And, right. it, and it becomes a, a benefit. It's, it becomes, you know, that extra addition that you just get. It's internal. That addition. extra juice when he's ready. Right. You know, but yeah. it's, it's, it's internal additions. You don't ever like, it's not, you don't have to do anything to go get him. He's there. It's when he's healthy. Okay, great. You get to a certain point where you survive without him, then great. But I don't, you know, I just don't know. And that's part of why, like, to tie it back to the Tortorella thing, because I feel like, like, listen, first of all, and I felt this way with Elaine Vigneault as well, you don't want to fall behind in a camp with this guy. Okay. I'm going to ask you two related questions. Sure. I'm going to ask you not to elaborate too much. Okay, that's fair. I know we have a lot of stuff to get to still. Do you see a world where the Philadelphia Flyers make the playoffs next season? Do I see one? Sure. Okay. It's a hesitant sure, but I say sure. Now, my next question is, do you see a world where the Philadelphia Flyers are a good team next year? <laughs> what's, what's your definition of good? A realistic contender to make to win a couple of playoff rounds. No. Okay. Not to win okay. a couple of playoff I think that's rounds. Fair. I mean, listen, anything can happen in a playoff round. Sure, I'll, I'll, not to try to re, like not to crazy elaborate on it, sure. but I will say it like this: one of the things that I said about you know, and I think I said this on ninety seven three at one point in time when talking about Tortorella is: listen, I think a successful season next year just is not measured in how many games you win, how many you know points you get, how many points out of a playoff spot you finish. I don't think it's measured by any of that. You could finish in dead last place for all I care. But if you're doing it while looking competitive and kind of having at least your and at least establishing an identity to your game, I think you've had a successful year. Right. Because that's fair. You need to see something like let's go this way. Is anybody going to complain if his team finishes in dead last this year? No. Well, exactly. And exactly. Quite, quite frankly, it's a pretty good year to finish dead last. Exactly. Also. So that's and that's what I'm saying. It's like because why? You know, because of who's going first next year. That's why. Right. Nobody cares. Because that but... Connor kid. No, 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 not that Connor kid. That no, other Connor that, kid. No, not the one from 15. Yeah. <laughs> not the one who still led the playoffs in scoring, by the way, even though they got eliminated in the third round. And didn't win a game in the third. <laughs> uh, correct. And he still, him and Dreisaitl both had like 33 points in 16 it games. It was absurd. And the next highest was somebody else yeah. we're going to talk about in a couple minutes. Oh, but, we'll be talking about Kale McCarr, don't you worry. Oh, thanks. Um, my, it, it, I, I say my favorite kind of jokingly, but at the same time, I do really like talking about the kid. He's so yeah. damn good. But beside the point. Um, One of these days, it's going to be you would think the Kale McCarr podcast. <laughs> I mean, that's the funny part is, is, Look, I, I love watching him. Don't get me wrong. That's still not the guy I gravitate towards when watching that team. Okay. Do we want to dive into this, or is there more we have to talk no, about I'll, on Tortorella? I'll put on the flyer thing first because cause, cause, cause it ties into the Tortorella okay. thing. Because you're asking me – like, you've also asked, like, is Tortorella like, – because he's a good enough coach to maximize guy. And, and I, that's why I brought up, like, if Patrick Brown's playing on this team next year, 
like getting into the lineup, fourth line kind of stuff. Right. Can his play be maximi- maximized by a coach like John Tortorella? I think it probably can. Probably. Yeah. Because all you need is a guy who gives it. You know, and quite frankly, if you give him if you give him Patrick Brown centering Zach McEwen and uh, who else is floating around down there? Just give me somebody. He'll get some jam out of that th- that fourth line. Give me Wade Allison on that line. That's I'll a fun you, little fourth line. I'll give you Wade Allison, but please don't with the other two. Like Patrick Brown's, Patrick Brown's under contract for next year, so I, like, and he's my thirteen. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. If I need somebody in a pinch, he's my thirteen. That's fine. And you're okay I'm, with it. I'm not, but I'm not focusing in on McEwen and like. I'm leaving spots open. Like I, I wrote down a lineup at one point in time. Hi, look, hypothetically thinking, let's let's put the most natural big splash free agent into the lineup that we can, and you already know who it is. So, is it Kadri or Johnny Hockey? It's Johnny. Okay, because so it's one of the so, two. So let's no, but I'm saying so let's just hypothetically speaking, naturally slide. Man, this is before the Faraby injury, so Faraby was part of this lineup, sure, too, obviously. And you got Couturier and Hayes up the middle, and I even you know even as you know, again, the gut feeling that I have that I've had for a long time that Konechny is not going to be on this team because I feel like he's trade bait. I put him in that lineup because okay. I, because what I was really trying to do is price it out. Like, Although I think you're moving him just to try to get the money for Johnny Hockey. No, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you who's not in that lineup who probably you're not going to like hearing it, but I, 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 I I'll go there anyway because I have to. Um, uh, like so. Obviously, the one area where you know you can try to free up some cap space immediately is James and Reimsdyk. Yeah, you've got to try to do that. You have to. And if you and if look, if you can somehow find a trade partner that takes the whole contract, lucky it's your lucky day. Go yep. ahead and sign you know sign off on that one right away. If you have to retain some money, if you can do if you can pull off the five two split and retain two mil, it's better than you're, the buyout. you're okay with that. Well, yeah, it's better than the buyout, so you might as well take it. If and there's only one year of it left. Well, and especially. If it's straight up, yeah. If you're not giving up anything else, no, no sweeteners, no picks, no nothing. JVR with that money split for a conditional right. seventh. Fine, whatever. Right. Like, but like, and, I, and I've heard this. And like, the condition is that JVR has to score sixty-five goals. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, but let's think about, um, like, think about the um, possibility of throwing, like. We all know Chuck Fletcher's seat is pretty warm at this point. That's an understatement, obviously. I think it has to be. So when you acquire a first-round pick for Claude Giroux, if you need to trade that pick to get all of JVR's salary off the books, you might, if you're in Chuck Fletcher's seat, you, you might do, do it. it. Because, well, no, you might do it because of the fact the that it's not until 2024. It's going to be the only, it could be the only chance you have to utilize the pick. You're, you're and it holding it for nothing. And it might not be till 2025 if Florida falls off a, a random cliff that year. Like, you're right. looking at a guy who's not going to help you. Like, if, if you're looking at Florida as a good team, the pick's going to be in the back half of the round. You're looking at a guy who's not going to help you for six, seven, eight years. Chuck Fletcher doesn't care about that guy. Gone. The organization doesn't he cares care about, about Right. Well, sure, but Chuck Fletcher in in particular care, values his job far more than that guy who might help the right. GM and, after him. Well, and listen, there's a lot, a lot of time between now and 2024's draft that for anything to happen to Chuck Fletcher, for you know, for that pick to be utilized. Like, if nothing else, just be careful what you use it on if you're going to use it. Like, 
if you need to do something else, like if that first is valuable enough to improve your team with a re- like a real player, you know, right. instead of just freeing up cap space. Now, granted, yeah. no, great. Like, like we did this last year, right? Because when Shane Gossesbear gets traded with two picks to open up cap space, and and the, the return is we're making a trade for Rasmus Ristolainen, that's what it's automatically associated with, right? Yep. Now, if you now if you trade the first round pick in twenty twenty four with James Van Reems, like free up cap it's associated space, with the Drew trade. No, what? No, I'm saying because who do you sign in response? Yep. If you sign Johnny Gaudreau, then it's like you traded the first pick for the first rounder in 2024 for Johnny Gaudreau. Quite frankly, I don't think that's the worst trade. Right, like that makes a lot of sense, doesn't right. it? Right. I think the fan base accepts that one pretty pretty easily. But, it, but you can't like if that's if that's only going to get you half the battle. But here's the thing, though: what's Johnny commanding in free agency? Oh, it's going to be a lot. Right, like. Hometown discount? Does he get under ten? Probably not. Uh, nope. Not not, <sighs> not 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 no. Not when you came off a season with 115 points. And listen, Just I like happen. Johnny Gaudreau. I love I love me some Johnny Hockey. Sure. If he was the kind of player that could take over games and dominate games and single handed, if he was Austin Matthews, done. <laughs> done 11 12 yeah. whatever you want well, that's right it's why Connor mcdavid makes 12 and a half million dollars right right like, and if if johnny gaudreau was coming in to a young cheap team as kind of a fill the gap like if for example the detroit red wings signed johnny gaudreau and right. he was coming in as kind of a, a a a centerpiece as part of the core but not the guy right I think it, it makes a whole lot of sense. The Flyers need way more help, sorry, Johnny, than Johnny Gaudreau can give them by himself. Well, and here's the thing with that, right? Like, first of all, absolutely correct. If he signs here, he becomes the face of the franchise player-wise. For better or for worse, you you might as well stick the C on him, and they probably absolutely, do. Absolutely, no doubt, without question. I'm, I'm switching the tab back over to That's fine. All this they the absolutely team. throw a C on him. Well, uh, no, I don't. I wouldn't go that far. Really? Um, I mean, look, I'm still, I'm still of the belief they don't need a captain next year. But while we're on the subject, or while we have the Tortorella banner at the bottom, there is one player in particular that was especially thrilled with this decision. Yeah. If I had to pick a captain today, if you were literally, if you were giving me that, hey, listen, no explanations, don't elaborate, just tell me who the next captain of the team is. I think I'm telling you, Cam Atkinson. Okay. I don't disagree with that because I think so- that of of anybody. He gave you the most accountability last year, and he's going to be the best bridge between Tortorella and the players who have never been coached by him. For those who insist that the Flyers brand is about playing with heart and grittiness, no pun intended, and passion and desire, look no further than Cam Atkinson, just for the record. That very small man plays with very large heart. Sure, exactly. And I, I should mention when I was talking about that lineup that I was drawing up a little bit, Atkinson was in that top six, obviously. Yeah, of course. You know, it like, it, but but think about that. Okay, so what what if it's Gaudreau with Couturier, Atkinson, Farabee, Hayes, and Konechny? No, no question for you. Is that Let's a legit say, top six? Yeah. There you go. That's what, I'm just Let, pointing out that you can you can still construct a legit top six on this roster. Let's say the Philadelphia Flyers signed Johnny Gaudreau. Right. Opening night, who was wearing number thirteen? Oh, don't I? I've already been like I've already had that floated does, by me. Does Kevin Hayes bow down, step aside on that, 
Or does Johnny Gaudreau like wear thirty one or something? No, there's oh no, especially a local kid, he would never dare. No, he never would. But no, no, like, you know why I'm saying? I, yeah, that, right? like he would never dare. No, I know. Ellie's number. I don't know the situation, but what if what if Pelly's family gave him the blessing as the local kid you. coming home? I'm trying to think of the numbers that are available potentially. It's not, it's not retired. It, no, it's not. But it's been. On I, I know. I know the story. Don't you know? I know. Um, <laughs> have you know what I'm trying? Like, cause I'm trying to think because Johnny's like roughly our age, a little younger. Yeah. So he grew up in like Legion of Doom time. He's he's about six weeks younger than me. Okay. So who's to say he doesn't go for a number like 10? Johnny Goodrow, Johnny LeClaire. Little, little okay. association. Who's to say he doesn't go for something like that? Okay. I was half willing to joke about it and sit there and say, you know what? He's going to take 61. Maybe he goes 37. <laughs> no, Eric Desjardins. No. I was gonna, but seriously, catch what I'm trying to do with that? Maybe he takes 61. Yeah. Reverse, no, no, reverse, reverse Clark. Maybe he goes full-blown Jersey Shore and just goes with 69. <laughs> you never Jersey, know. Jersey Shore or Shorzy? I, listen, have you watched Shorzy? I haven't yet. I got to get on it. I you know. have I'm, to get on it. You know, I'm, I'm saving this for the next episode, but it's been a little bit of a month for me. Listen to me. If you're watching um, on our YouTube channel, I'm looking directly at the camera. I'm pointing <laughs> at you right now. If you're listening to this show right now, go to Hulu. <laughs> Type in Shorzy, S-H-O-R-E-S-Y. It is six 30-minute episodes. It will take you three hours. Go. Anyway. Uh, yes, I, I will get on that at some point very soon. I, I promise that because I've already seen clips, by the way. It is hysterical. The clips are hysterical. Uh, John Johnny, Morasti Johnny. and the Nolan brothers are both, like, in every episode, like, featured <laughs> featured players. Um. And it's been a while since you've seen Nasty John Morasty, and he looks fantastic. Okay. And I'm saying that because he would tear my arms off and beat me with them. <laughs> All right. Um, but either way, like, we'll see what happens. For right now, I, I, I want to go back to Tortorella for one second. And yeah. I want him because of the fact that... John Tortellini, Flyers head coach. <laughs> oh, here we go. I've seen that come up more times than I can. Listen. You know, it, it just happens. It will be a great 18 to 28 months. Okay, so first of all, here right, because first of all, here's the thing: if nothing else, you're going to get entertainment. Absolutely. Because if things don't go well, then you're watching for him. Oh yeah. You're watching for his reaction. You're even watching the post game for him. January first, twenty twenty five. Is he the head coach? It's two and a half years from now. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. And I think that's. I think that's a pretty reasonable over-under. Uh, and I, I'll tell you what. I'll, I, I say that for two reasons. You said two and a half years, or that would be – he would be halfway through his third season, you're saying? Yes, yes. Okay, I highly doubt that half a season after they finally stop paying Elaine Vigneault while paying John Tortorella that they're going that's to fair. do the same thing over again. That said, I you're think right. by that point – you better have something better to put out on the ice than what you had last year that he can work with even better. So, but right now, like for right now, think about everything from everything he said in the press conferences, everything he's doing. He had, so a week ago, 
he did it was more of an informal and i didn't get to i didn't go because it, it, i didn't really know when it was going to be that kind of thing he did an informal meet and greet with media members he did a a question and answer session with seat like season ticket holder type stuff at, at the skates uh, at the training center sorry um and he's done things like he went to the graduation ceremony for snyder hockey like he's trying really hard to put himself out there to make himself part of this community he's talked immensely about the amount that he loves the city and yeah has that thought about coaching here for a long time back to so, 2004 well right and so i actually entirely forgot that he coached that lightning team oh really How yeah it's I, rips your heart out i know and i like it's one of those things that i think i had kind of trauma blocked it out of my head right um because tampa just absolutely owned us for about six months there yeah um yeah, it's, we're not talking about it. It's fine. Trauma. Um, I yeah. So I had blocked out of my mind that John Tortorella won, uh, like was the coach of that team, and I heard him mention it, and I just went, "Oh, John, ow, yeah, why are you ripping the bandaid off like that? I forgot about that, and ow, that still hurts. Thank you so but, much, Vincent Lecavalier. But from that, he used the word, and this was what I was prepared to ask him if I would have gotten through on the intro call. He used the word that I was going to use, and I swear I wasn't going to be pandering if I used it after he used it, but the standard that is Flyers hockey. That's what you're trying to establish again. It, it's non-existent right now. Your standard is gone because the play on the ice is bad, the attendance is down, people are disinterested. you got to build it all back up, and, and he knows it. Yep. And because he knows it, he's doing already trying to do things that get himself out there. Man, so it, it would be a great year for NHL Network to do behind the glass. Well, can I say something about that too? Because I feel like, to an extent, that really endeared people to Elaine Vigneault when it started. Because he was new. Be then. a bleeping flyer, right? He comes in. That's the first thing you get from this yeah. guy, essentially. And well, it, but then they were good throughout the course of that season. They were. So they that, were good. So as you go through that process, like as you go through everything, and he's having a good like. Obviously, he's having a good time because they're winning. The so message is fresh. Yep. No, well, not only that, but when you're ending press conferences with, with you know, I'm going to have a martini tonight and I'll get to you later. And I, I just tried to put on that AV like smile that he would too because he would get this big grin on his face like, I'm going to have a martini and I'll get back to you. And like he'd do it like yep. that too, which is really funny. But, um, but that was the fun of it, right? And that was like, sure. that's the honeymoon phase. And eventually it ends. Like, I don't even know if there's going to be a honeymoon phase with John Tortorella because of the fact that John Tortorella just comes in and starts hammering home the point. We got to yeah. offer. Fair enough. You know, so. And and the thing is, is, yeah, does the message, like, can the message get stale over time? Of course it can. It happens to everybody. This, this is the thing. That's what you're going to hear no matter who the coach is anywhere. It happened with Bruce Cassidy. It happened, you know, it happened with Barry Trotz. They're pretty well-known coaches. They recently won Jack Adams Awards. Uh, worth, noting, worth noting, by the way, that uh, Barry Trotz has decided to take the season off and will not be well, coaching. The, sto the story is, by the way, and it hasn't really been Management confirmed. in Nashville? Well, no, no, no. It hadn't really been confirmed oh, okay. by anybody on the Flyers side, but the rumor is he was offered the Flyers job first. So Tortorella was not okay. offered the job first. I'm not surprised by that at all. But yeah, but the, the the crossing broad report that Anthony Sanfilippo had that said he was not only offered the job, but the job was going to be at like seven million dollars a year would have made him the highest paid coach in the league, and he wow. still said no. Wow. So, Blank check indeed. Now, while granted, they're still paying Elaine Vigneault. No. Yeah. Now, granted, insanity. 
it it's a little different. Like the story evolves even further now because if he takes the Winnipeg job, then it's about you. Sure. When he takes no job at all, it's about him. Like it's, right. I want the time away. I'm I'm not thinking about it right now. That's like he's so doing some time off. He deserves it. Sure. Well, because I saw somebody. I, w- I wish I could remember who it was who tweeted. It was a na- it was a national guy. I just don't remember which one. Who is it? He hasn't had a season off. Like he's coached consecutively from Nashville to Washington to the Islanders for twenty years. More yep. than that, actually. But, Give the man a year off like, with his kids. Guy needs some time if he wants some time. It's the, I, I know he's got some family stuff. Like if he wants some time away, he wants some time away. Let's, let's put it this way: Tortorella in that informal, you know, meet and greet with the media said this is the last coaching job he's going to take. This is it. Interesting. And, and, I, and, I, and I get it. He's 64. Sure. He just turned 64 a couple days ago, by the way. So Come happy on, John. Hold, hold on for five years, Johnny. I mean, he's. I think he's going to be fine. Oh, yeah. Like, well, I mean, he can always step right back over to television. But All right. Let's talk about the Stanley Cup. Yes. Uh, we will talk more about John Tortorella as it goes, as we get more quotes. I, I imagine it will become very easy for us to think of show titles for quite a long time because John's going to be a gold mine for that. Uh, moving over to some quotes. We got some really good quotes out of the, Stan- uh, the Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche who defeated the Tampa Bay Lightning in six games, including two to one in game six. I put, I put my hands up because I got one right. That was my pick at the start of the playoffs. I got one right. This was an incredible series. The title of our last show was the two best teams. And there was was a rocky start. You know, it it didn't necessarily start as the the most tight competitive series. But by the end, man. Game one was. But then, yeah, the next two were pretty rough. But the, the the last two especially were two of the best games of the entire playoff, practically. Those are, man. So, I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. I do have a little bit of a mental block at the start of the pandemic. So, remembering anything pre-pandemic is pretty tough. That's fair. No, those might be the two best hockey games I've watched since the start of the pandemic. Well, okay. So, well, so in two-plus years. They were phenomenal, incredible, high-level hockey games. Well, and here's the thing. If you're drawing the line at March of 2020 there... I mean, maybe the only other game that I can, or not the only other, but some of the other games that I can think of that really rank up there. I mean, the five overtime between Columbus and Tampa. Was I was going to say, that has to be up there just for the history there. of there, it. You know, Tampa, the game that Tampa won in, in overtime, not five, but in overtime to move on against Columbus was yeah. a really good game. Absolutely. But, but I get your point because, you know, and, and I don't want to, like, I don't want to take away from the fact that I do recall, um, that I do recall Tampa and the Islanders having some really good games over those series. I don't want to take away from that at all. It's just like, I, you know what? Like, I feel like when we got to the cup final the last two years, it was kind of like, all right, who, we're not fooling anybody here. There's a really, really elite team playing and a team that's kind of like just happy to be here. Yes. And both yeah, times the elite team was money. Tampa Bay. Right. And it was house money. And we knew that kind of Yep. like, don't get me wrong. I think Dallas has an incredibly bright future. Dallas was running on fumes at that point. Sure, of course. And Montreal was that they caught a wave. Obviously, it was the total opposite this year. But but you know what? Montreal this year, the last half of the year anyway, is exactly what I would hope the Flyers are next year. Not in terms of hey they win or they lose, 
But oh, they they're going to be fun. But they felt more competitive. They felt more fun. And they felt like they had a sense of direction with Marty San Luis coaching. If Carey Price comes back healthy, they're a fun team next year. They probably are. Yeah, yeah. I would say so. Um, but either way, Colorado wins. Um, Nicholas Obekubel drops the cup heading into the pile, <laughs> dents it on the ice, which the keeper of the cup confirmed was the first time in history that it got dented on the ice. Well, first time with hit with, for him. Well, with him, sure. Fair enough. Keepers, but but well, uh, he, yeah, congratulations, Nick. You, you won the cup. Great. But first, man, they're going to make fun of you forever and ever. First, first of all, to you for not burying the lead there. That's fun. Um, yeah, the sec- most important thing, clearly. Se- second of all, um, leave it to a guy like Nick Aubé-Kubel there who didn't play in the actual game to trip over his own skates. <laughs> he got chirped. Uh, you know he got chirped relentlessly on the flight home. On all their faces when it happened, the picture that came up that was snapped literally as they recognized it was the best thing I've ever seen. I demand. Do you remember the picture from 2019? Of the St. Louis Blues flying home to St. Louis in the plane yeah. with Ryan O'Reilly with the Con Smythe. And you know the picture I'm talking about? I think I do, yeah. I demand to see the picture with Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon, both hammered in these seats with the shirts wide open. Come on. Gonna, we know they exist. I want somebody to take a video camera to Nate's party. If, if, I, he, wants, if he wants Sidney Crosby to get wasted, like. Oh, my God. Somebody better have a camera. Sid's private security is going to confiscate every cell phone <laughs> in that joint. Let's be completely honest. Also, you're going to have to bring a friggin' gas mask to that parade in Colorado. Come on now. Oh, well, okay. Come on now. I got you. I got you. Mile high city. Ayo. Um, so Kale McCarr wins. <laughs> everything. Everything. So since our last show. He won the Norris Trophy. He won the Conn Stanley Smythe. Cup. He won the Conn Smythe. He becomes the first player in NHL history to win those three awards, the Norris Trophy, the Stanley Cup, the Conn Smythe, as well as the Hobie Baker and the Calder Trophy. He's the first player in history to hold all five of those awards. This yeah. man is 23 years old and probably getting better. <laughs> The first thing I think of when stuff like that comes out, by the way, is I just, you know, I just don't even want to, like, you have no choice but to think about it, and then Uh you don't want to think about what you were doing at 23, and you go, this is, I'm, it's so insignificant. Look at, look at everything he's accomplished. It's ridiculous. And he, better, by the way, he's only going to keep getting better. I know. He's probably got three more years of just straight upward growth. Like, we, okay. I have heard people putting him already in the top five in the league. Now, I don't necessarily know if I'm willing to do that, but if your top five is some in some order, this is not a ranking, uh, okay. McDavid, Matthews, Dreisaitl, McKinnon, McCarr. I've heard that list. There's one problem with that list. Sid's not there. I know. No, I don't even know if it's that. Okay. I think it's got to somebody for Tampa's got to be in that group. Yeah. The like, problem is, I think their most likely candidate is Andre Vasilevsky, and I think goalies just have to be separate. Goalies are a different. You do goalies in a different category. It's not the same thing. So is it Hedman then? Like, who's the best of the Tampa Bay Lightning? I don't think they have one individual superstar. They have three that are just incredibly good. 
I mean, Braden Point's got to be up there, especially for how much it looked like they missed him down the stretch. Yeah, I think the combination Braden of Point is that good. Yeah. yeah, and like losing Braden Point really hurt them. Um, losing losing Anthony Sorelli was the death blow. I mean, he played, but he you know, but he wasn't at what strength? You know exactly. Like, that was twenty percent Braden Point, like, and I, like honestly, goodness, and this is the sad part about it. Like Braden Point's probably their best forward at this point. Okay, no pun intended when I say point that many times in a sentence, but um, it was they all like. I recognized, I guess it was game four that they had to do, either game four or game five, but I recognized it. They played better without him, which was okay. a, like down in the cup final anyway. Like, they tried to get him back for those first two games. Obviously, game one, they didn't win, but they were in it. Game two, they get blown out of the water, and it's like, they're not as good with him on the ice right now. Right. Like, they they actually would be, be more beneficial to them to pull him off because it, whatever he's he was detrimental. He can't, he can't do it. Yeah, like and they I, were just I, attacking I, him. I admire the guy for trying. I absolutely do. It's just I don't think you know there was just nothing you could do. You know. No, and you're the kid is twenty two years old or whatever it is. Some ridiculous whatever ridiculous number his yep. age is right now. He points a little older than that. I think he was twenty two when all that started. Okay, fair enough. But he's another guy who's just going to get better for the next couple of years, and it's not even fair that Tampa got him. Okay, yeah, Braden Point is twenty six now, so it oh, feels... he's twenty six. Wow, holy. Okay, so it feels, but it feels right then. Like that's what I'm saying. Like he feels like he's in, maybe not even in, like entering the prime. Like we're get now. This is when you're going to get the best years of Braden Point. Like if you think he's good, <sighs> yeah, because I just watch him get smarter every single year. I, well, and listen, it, it, not for nothing. Like it's not, and I'm not trying to downplay these guys at all. But eventually, Steven Stamkos is not going to be the number one guy. He's getting older. Victor Hedman's getting older. Like they've been around forever with that team, right? Braden Point's still relatively new. So is like you know, like to an extent, you could say Kucherov is a little bit. But Kucherov's even got more veteran status than. Well, that. right, and we've seen some guys really cement themselves over the course of this playoff run for the Tampa Bay Lightning. For example, Eric Turnak had just a fantastic run out of them. Andre Palat had a stellar run. Alex Kalorn looked phenomenal. I, yeah, these guys, it's it's incredible how good of a job Steve Eiserman did drafting. Let's be honest. Sure. Of course. And, right. So the fact that Detroit, by the way, Detroit has $35 million in cap space. And four I, of their major players are up this year. They're going to be able to make dramatic, massive roster overhauls over the next two years, depending on how aggressive Steve Eisenman wants to get. I think it's hilarious, ironic, and insert superlative here um, that the two teams right now that feel like the best and we said it before the the series started but the two teams that really feel like the best in the league right now yeah are being or, or at least were built by primarily by two players who were leading their teams that were the best in the late 90s essentially like <laughs> that is really funny like you're talking about a Steve Eiserman built team against the Joe Sackick built team and both are great it it really is a shame and i've mentioned this before but it it really is a shame that Steve Eisman wasn't there to shake Joe Sackick's hand at the end of this, right? Like I, I understand he works for Detroit, blah blah blah, but like this is still his team. Like this is they they have slight turnover in the bottom six, 
but it's essentially the same roster year over what year. If is, what if this is only the beginning for Colorado at this point, and Detroit <sighs> starts to emerge with Steve Eiserman building that one? I could see it happening. Detroit's... And then, you know, and then, and then not only do you get the problem exactly is that, the problem is Detroit's the in the East. It's not quite the same. What do you mean, though? Yeah, they're not in the same division anymore. They don't play a whole bunch of times every year. Oh, they're not well, going to play in the first or second round of the no, playoffs. That's what I'm saying. Wouldn't you love them in a Stanley Cup final against each oh, other? Yeah. Like, oh, mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. put them against each other in a playoff series again, and it's – And, and again, quite it's, frankly – Quite frankly, Alex Nedeljkovic might be the goalie that gets them there, and holy crow, Carolina's going to feel stupid if that's how that happens. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see what happens. That's there. still one of the most disgraceful roster decisions I've ever seen. Uh, anyway, uh, congratulations to Colorado. Uh, it really was an incredible series. Like we saw just games four, five, and six were spectacular hockey games. Yeah. I mean, well, game four, obviously, and, and everything within it aside, like, because at the end of the day, and I went on the air, I went on the radio the day after this game. Because there was obviously some controversy, and I stayed, I stayed up after the game, the hour after, as they're talking about. Because I didn't even realize, like in the moment, you didn't even realize there was anything no. to talk about. Then all of a sudden, there was buzz because John Cooper took one question and got up and left, and everybody's going, "You'll see what I mean on the video." Oh wait, let's go look. Oh, too many men. Wow. Right. And when Sports Center had the one, look, I I watched that, but I sat here. I'm not joking you, for probably about 25 minutes watching the same minute over and over and over again yep to the point where like i said this on the radio i caught the fact that every player for colorado on the ice made a line change at least 25 seconds before the goal was scored except for mckinnon and kadri that was the only change it's not like it was a full you know you know fire wagon change here it was one player here's here's the reason here's the reason why you can't call it it's well it's a judgment call for one i'm sorry Judgment call for one, so like well, right? That's no, but that's like for those that are nitpicking, those that are upset about it. Yes, Colorado had six players on the ice there momentarily, and I'm not going to talk about bench safe zones and getting off the ice. No, I'm, I, I'm not going to talk I, about that. I highlighted it anyway. Like I, I get it. Colorado had six players on the ice. Tampa Bay had seven. Yeah, making a they were making a fire wagon change. Not quite, right. you know. I, I understand, but like. The real answer is not even in that. You don't even have to look to that one. The real answer was, hey, did anybody remember the only goal that was scored against the Islanders in Game 7 last year? The only one in the conference final that Tampa Bay won. How many guys were on the ice for Tampa Bay for that one? A whole Barry bunch. Trotz knows. Yep. So, you know, like, it They happens. can't keep getting away with this. It, 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 it's, it's so not about that. Like to me, no, it, like absolutely it, not. And, and beside the point, like, because uh, like you can't like don't make that challengeable or anything crazy. Like, like no. If, if you if you go so far as to make something like a line change challengeable, then everything in the game is going to be challengeable, and you will have challenges galore. We also like, have to put a timer on the challenges. Yeah. Because twice, twice in the Stanley Cup Finals, we saw John Cooper. Um, let's let's say maximize his uh, decision making time. He oh, really sure. took that decision making window and and stretched it out as much as he could. And you started to see as the series went on, with, with stuff like that, because John Cooper was very 
outspoken about like not outspoken but like he definitely milked the challenge time right he was outspoken he tried about to, the line he tried to challenge it after kemper came to the bench and got his equipment adjusted right and he's very cl- he very clearly had like two and a half minutes to look at it like kemper was getting his equipment adjusted for sure. a long time like, we have to have a, a a pitch clock on this. You have to. to there is there's supposed to be one in place. It's thirty seconds. We have to be enforcing it, even if yeah, you want to bump it to sixty. Right, even if you want to bump it to sixty, because thirty is a little quick. I'll give you that because it's probably going to take you five or ten seconds to get the replay, and then you got to look at it a couple times. You got to make a judgment decision. Thirty is a right. little quick. Right, but if you now, put a sixty second timer on it that goes off with like right after the goal goes in the net. Do it like right. a timeout timer. And when the horn goes off, you make a call. Challenge, right. yes or no. Um, so, thumbs up, thumbs down like the arena. Right. Now, I, I want to say this because I feel like you saw it as the series went on from all of that type of stuff. Like, you knew it was going to happen because they had already won two in a row. They, You see that you saw the target on the back. You saw the, the, the villainous nature of the team in the sense that, look, Everybody wants to beat the team that's the best too, and everybody kind of starts to love to hate the team that keeps winning. Absolutely, like, like you saw it with every complaint that they had about this, that, or whatever. Like, yeah, I don't need to hear John Cooper whining about calls. Quite frankly, I don't like anybody whining about calls, especially once we get into the I, conference finals or Stanley Cup final. No, I hear you, and I thought like because they're not going to the, call it. And I thought at the end of the series, like at the end of the series, he didn't go there, which is good. Like, yeah. Tip your hat to Colorado. Focus on that. He turned around and he said the only break, like the only bad break they got was that Kucherov's stick broke. By the way, did you see that clip that was floating? I don't know if you saw a clip was floating around. He went to the bench to get a stick and he chucked his gloves at the Yeah, the guy, the, the equipment manager ready. didn't have the stick ready. Left. And Nikita Kucherov takes his gloves off and throws Literally. them at. I mean, that, not tosses two, throws that, at. Right. But that's like, what, and that's why, I'm, but that's why I'm saying that's what creates that villainous nature of them because you see that you see Pat Maroon two-handing Josh Manson in front of the net because he didn't like the fact that that call went against them. Like, so these are things that happen in a game, and you take them and you go with like you go with them. There was how much time? Like, there was a period and another what six seven minutes left or five six minutes left in the second. When they go down two to one, and he's slashing the back of a guy with two hands. So if you've he's been like listening. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that I, I make the occasional professional wrestling reference. <laughs> Tampa Bay turned heel the second Nikita Kucherov came out and blasted the Montreal fans for celebrating a win when they were up th- when they were <laughs> up three nothing in the series. Yeah, that's he comes out and goes, "What are they celebrating for?" Oh, blah, blah blah. Like if you didn't hate them already, and some people did just because they were so good. But if you didn't hate them already, they did that and then closed the series out the next game and wore shirts about how over the cap they were. (laughs) Full-blown heel turn. Full-blown macho man dropping the leg at Bash at the Beach 96, joining the NWO. Full-blown heel turn. Nikita Kucherov does not care what you think. Number one bull. Number one. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? But seriously, like, uh, here's the thing. I, I, I almost don't mind it then because, like, okay, you just won the Stanley Cup for the second year in a row. First of all, it felt like a real Stanley Cup win, not the year before when you did it in an empty building. Fair I enough. I get it. Most are high. You're drinking. Like, clearly. Hey, there were 5,000 fans in Montreal. Like, <laughs> but like, let's, like, let's do, like, let's do this. Like, let's be fully, like, we saw it. 
Nikita Kucherov comes in to do that post game. He doesn't have a shirt on. He's got a he's got two cans of Bud Light with him. Like he's having the time of his life, and he's probably not quite in control of like the filters not probably turned on. Oh, and his filters were already the thinnest to begin with. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I get it, but it's not like that's why I'm saying it's not that it was like. What like what and, and this is kind of a football thing at this point. But why do people like when Tom Brady loses? Because because it's not he's just, Darth Vader. He's the bad guy. It's, but it's not. But it's not just because he wins all the times. Because when he loses, he's looking for a call. He's looking for what just happened. Why did it happen? I, I'm pissed off about it. And it's fine to be pissed off about losing. Like I honestly, for Tampa Bay, I think that not winning this series and being the hurt team by the end of it and the tired team at the end of it humbles them. I will give Tom Brady credit. He's gotten pretty cool as he's gotten older. I saw a TikTok of him a couple of weeks ago, and he goes, hey, guys, the tuck rule game. I know. I saw this. It was a fumble. (laughs) (laughs) It's just the funniest thing. He's he's got a sense of humor about it at this point. You you know, doing a tell-all documentary will do that to you. But... um, Having a billion way. dollars will also well, give you true. give you a little bit of security to kind of say whatever you want. What do you mean having a billion dollars? It's signing all the it's signing the contracts to play football to then broadcast football. And oh, by the way, he's got his own like was it a marketing company or a multimedia company or whatever right. the hell oh, it is. Oh, and also your wife player. and also your, your wife is, is a multi 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 millionaire supermodel in her own right. Tom Brady's never allowed to complain about anything. <laughs> I don't care if Tom Brady's house burns down. God willing, it doesn't happen. God willing, if it does, nobody gets injured. Tom Brady's not allowed to say a word about it. He's got insurance. I don't care. He's got more money than the insurance covers. Right. For real. But either way. Um, but the, but you, like I think I do. I think that this is going to humble Tampa Bay a little bit. Like, you okay. Know, you, got, you got put in your place a little bit. Like, you didn't you, – you're not – you're like – I, I'm not taking anything away from them. Six times in the conference final and three times in a cup final in eight years is no slouch of an achievement. I You're right al- up there. I also think there's a real chance they come back next year and just go scorched earth. Sure. Just come in like the Jordan Bulls and go 72-10. and 10. Not literally, but could you yeah. imagine? Oh, my God. I'm, it actually kind of wouldn't surprise me. Right. You just need because Brian Elliott to win 10 or 15 games for you, and Andre Vasilevsky will do the rest. I, it's just, yeah. I mean. They win the President's I, Trophy in January. Yeah, I, I mean, because John Cooper was right, because I, I, I did listen to what he said at the end of the whole thing in his press conference. And first of all, I thought it was really classy of him to bring up all of his assistants with him like he did when they won. You know, we, yeah. did, this, we did this together winning. We'll do it together losing. Um, but. You know, he credited Colorado, and but he, you saw the determination. Like, hey, listen, it's okay. It's like it's not just that we lost. Like, we lost to a really good team, obviously. So it's it, that's not the pro. Like, that's nothing about who says we're done. Yeah, and, and that's and, that's what you should don't say. take away from and don't take away from the la- like six of the last eight years conference finals. Like, just because they don't enter the conversation with the Islanders of the eighties. And teams like that that put together more than two in a row. There's they, nothing wrong with being they, two in a row. Are they the best team of the post uh, the post lockout era? Yes, without the, question. Of the cap era? Yeah, I'd say so. Because okay. 
because because it only to me it only gets harder and to do it in the middle of like what they were doing it in the middle of where there is like even when Chicago was winning three times in six in five six years like they did and the two for LA and all that type of stuff for the back to back for Pittsburgh everything was normal and you adjusted for inflation at that point you knew that salaries were going to go up so the cap went up and it continued to progress they did this with no movement. Yep, they had to. They had to do some crazy gymnastics. They had. They had and, to sit Nikita Kucherov for an entire season. And beyond that, I, and he was conveniently ready to play for Game One of the playoffs. Isn't it crazy how that works sure. out? Sure, but 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 there's no taking away from how they got those players. They built it over a process. Yep. Um, they drafted incredibly to- well. They developed incredibly well. Now, if we're going to talk about that, we have to talk about Colorado's process. Absolutely. That's the process. I wrote about that. I call. I actually called it, the, like, the article is Avalanche wins Stanley Cup by trusting the process. Not yep. not trying to make a Sixers reference there, by the way. But but here's the thing. Like, you bring Joe Sackick in, and it's 2013. Or it's 2014-15, I guess, is the first season he really took. 13-14, they gave him, like, the executive, like, the executive vice president type thing. Like, he was a, an executive advisor, I think, was the title. And so the next year, he formally took over as the GM. Now, by that point, you already have Landeskog. You already have McKinnon. You already have made the trade for Eric Johnson that brought him to Colorado. And that's pretty much your group at that point. And then under Sackick, the two other guys they get before this whole roster really takes shape is they traded for the, I think, for the rights. I don't know. I believe he wasn't signed yet for the rights to JT Comfer. And you draft Miko Rantman. That was the two things. And that's what they went into the 2016-17 season with. Those are the only five holdovers from their worst season under Sackick. It was and, and there's a and there ironically enough was a reason for it because your coach that year was supposed to be Patrick Waugh. And Patrick Waugh stepped down maybe two right. weeks before training camp and said, Here you go. And Joe Sackick did the only thing he could think to do, which was literally grabbed the previous year's Calder Cup winner who wasn't even with his organization. He was with Columbus's. So I'm Jared Bednar, bring him in, and let's see where it goes. And the first year was awful. Following that 16-17 season, mm-hmm. on June 28th, 2017, <laughs> Steve Dangle fires up Twitter. Oh, I know. I already know what you're going to say because I've already seen it. It's fantastic, and I'm going to tell he our said, audience said- here. Make sure to take a look at this. He tweets, Joe Sackick really ought to be fired. Look at this nonsense. And then links to that day's uh, cap friendly for the Colorado Avalanche. And it was a mess. And they, it looked bad. And they had a whole bunch of cap space. And they didn't have any players signed. And it, it, looked, it looked bad. It looked bleak. And they were coming off a really poor season. And it looked bleak. Right. That tweet was retweeted by freezing cold takes <laughs> on Sunday no, evening. Oh, no, don't, don't you worry. Dangle brought it up, too. Or on Monday evening. He did. He, he fessed up to it. And he's had, a great, he's had a great humor about it. But, man. And I, I, I was listening to the show at the time. I remember right. them having this conversation. And they talked about the fact that Joe Sackick is the one who got them into this mess. Should he really be the one who's allowed to get them out of it? And then he proceeded to hit on every single draft, every single first-round pick he made over the next four years, and all those players just helped them win the Stanley Cup. Excuse me for a minute while I pull up the article because I have the, it's it's I have like in quick quick list form right because it's he, Mc, 
Makar, Byram, Newhook. Is there one more name there? No, I'll go through. Well, in terms of draft picks, uh, it's like three or four years in a row they drafted monsters. I I did it in order. So how about we just do that? So this is this is all 2017 and beyond. Okay, so in 2017, this is what I have that happens. Or actually, in 2017, he only did one thing outside of the draft pick for Makar. He acquired Sam Gerrard in a trade. Solid. Yep. Was that with Nashville? Yes. Sam Gerrard was part of the um, another Matt Duchesne trade. Yes, part of the Matt Duchesne trade tree. Yes, absolutely. Sam Gerrard is part of the Matt Duchesne trade. By the way, who played played a grand total of seven games this playoff because he got hurt for the rest of the the playoff. Yep, they're going to come back theoretically stronger next year because all their guys are young enough that they're all developing. That was like you get to take more of a load off of Eric Johnson. So that was 2017, 2018. Uh, Pavel Francouz signs, and Logan O'Connor was signed as to an entry level contract as an undrafted free agent out of the University of Denver. Wow, he was on, and he was on your roster for this series. Yep. Okay, so 2019. This is where this is where it really starts to fire up because a lot of stuff happened in the last. You start years. drafting studs here. Well, 2019, your draft picks are Bowen Byram and Alex Newhook. Also in 2019, you acquire Nazem Kadri and Andre Burakovsky in separate trades. Yep. In 2019, you sign Valerie Nachushkin, who was bought out by Dallas that offseason. Yep. 2020, you trade for Devon Taves. And then 2021, or leading into this 2021-2022 season, they acquired Darcy Kemper in a trade, signed Ryan Murray, Jack Johnson, and Darren Helm, claimed Nick Abe-Kubel off waivers, and then at the trade deadline, grab Josh Manson, Andrew Cagliano, Nico Sturm, and oh yeah, one guy who scored the series clinching goal in both the Western Conference Final and the Stanley Cup Final, Arturi Lekkinen. Yep. By the way, one of the names you mentioned there was Nazem Kadri. Yes. Do you remember the Nazem Kadri trade? Um, hang on a minute. You here. know what it cost the Colorado Avalanche to acquire Nazem Kadri? Hang on, because this is another, I've kind of been on a trade tree kick the last couple of days, so I know that was a, it was part of a trade tree too. I okay, think, it's right? it's Kadri, Callie Rosen, and a third. Oh, hold on a minute. I, I for what? At this. Yep. Yeah, I'm giving you the oh, one half. Oh, I know what it is. I I think I know. Was this? It was the deal that uh, Tyson Barry and um, there was another player. Yep. But Tyson Barry was in that deal. Um. Oh. Yep. Um. 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 Oh God, what the hell was the guy's name? It's like right there too. Um, you're gonna have to tell me, but I know, you're gonna say I'm gonna hate myself for it. It's Initials AK. Alex Kerfoot. There you go. I knew it was an Alex. I'm sitting here going, Alex. Tyson Barry, Alex Kerfoot, and a sixth. Okay. Yeah. Tyson Barry is solid. Had a good little bounce back season. Yeah, decent little player. Kerfoot is, and a sixth round pick is nothing. And you got Nazem Kadri and a third. Hello? Did the third turn out to be anything? Did we know? So one of the long-running jokes on 32 Thoughts Podcast <laughs> is that they there, there really shouldn't be a GM of the Year award because the GM of the Year award is the Stanley Cup. Yes, it is. I agree. Was Joe, did Joe Sackick win the GM of the Year award? I think they do it after, I don't know. I think they, they vote after the second round. They do, but I don't think they present it until after this. They do it at the uh, at the draft. They present it. I agree. That's what it is. I, I right. 
Uh, we'll see. I, but I, Joe Sackick should have won it because hello. Yeah, he should. He should win it. Um. So a couple little tidbits here for you from yeah. like this roster because I, I, I naturally I nerded up for some of this and like went in and looked up some goofy stuff because sure. I can. Uh, so first of all, this is not really a nerdy thing. This is just something we remember talking about because a few months before the playoffs started, we were sitting here on trade deadline watch because we were talking about one player in particular who certainly had some options on the table. Yep. And I'm not, and I'm not revisiting that. He made his choice. That's the end of that, right? But do, yep. you remember, but do you remember the proposed trade that Colorado had in mind to get Quadru? It was... Presumably. Let, let's just presumably. Right. It doesn't have to be to an exact science, but... Yeah, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you a hint because it was one prospect and was a it Jake Sanderson? No. It was uh, Justin Barron was a defensive Justin Barron, right, right, right. And presumably it would have been one of the first-round picks that right. Colorado has in the next two years. Not this year's, the following. Right. How about instead of trading either of those first-round picks, they didn't do that. They didn't have to. They kept them both. They have their first-round pick next year and the, or, and the year after that, so 23 and 24. Obscene. It is obscene. But do you know what they traded instead? Like, they used Justin Barron. Justin Barron got traded at the trade deadline. So did a second-round pick next year. Do you know who they got? Okay. Arthur Elekinen. Now, the reason I bring that up has nothing per se to do with Claude Giroux. The reason I bring that up is because you you make your deals in at the deadline to think you're putting the final pieces together. Sure. And one wrong move, like Florida was getting people at the deadline. It wasn't just Giroux, by the way. They were making a lot of deals. They brought in a lot of people. So if you're bringing in yeah, a lot Florida of Yeah, Florida was wheeling and dealing. So if you're bringing in a lot of people, you're thinking like Colorado did too. I just mentioned Colorado acquired four players at the trade deadline yeah. or around or around those times. If you're piecing together guys to do that, then you're hoping that, that that it completes the puzzle to perfection. Everything fits. It works out. And obviously for Florida, it didn't work out. Right. Now, because so, you got chewed up and spit out by right. a dynasty. So, but imagine if Colorado makes that trade with the Flyers instead. And gets Claude Drew. Is Claude Drew giving you what Lekkonen did in these playoffs? Maybe we don't he know. Could, he could. We don't know. But yep. but are they? They also standing there with the Stanley Cup at the end of the, the thing. That's fair. You don't know. It's it's that's the thing. Like this hindsight's always twenty twenty on it, it and right. twenty twenty here led them to a cup. This turned out to be the perfect combination. Now, do you want a yep. crazy fact out of the whole thing? Okay. So, I counted up twenty one different skaters played in the playoffs for Colorado. Okay. Out of the 21, 16 scored goals. Okay. And out of the 16 that scored at least one goal in the, in the Stanley Cup playoffs, they had, because I, I kind of found it interesting that guy, like, Nachushkin was scoring a bunch in the final, yeah. right? And, you know, you had other guys who did it at various points. He made it. Time. He made a dark horse run at a Cotton's Mythe bit, in my opinion. I did, yeah. yeah. Um, for a little bit. But you had all these guys scoring all over the place, right? So by doing so, by having different guys who were scoring kind of in bunches sometimes, Ten different players scored a game-winning goal. Holy smokes! Okay, so that's a lot, right? Now, yeah. obviously, obviously, I gave you. We, we've we've already discussed two of them specifically yeah. because we we already mentioned Lekkinen, who had two of them, by the way. At least. Yep. Actually, I think he had more than that. He might have had more. He might have. I like think four. he had three. He had four, I think, actually. Jesus. I know. No, four out of. By the way, four out of sixteen wins. Talk about a dark horse, Con Smythe. But. 
and and I, and, I, and we already talked about Nazem Kadri, yeah. who had one in Game Four. Do do you want to take a chance on guessing the rest? Sure. Okay, because I have a feeling that the answer to my question or the answer to my little tidbit here is going to come out sooner than you think. Okay, so we used McKinnon and Nachushkin. Or, no, I'm, no, I'm no, sorry, Lekkanen. Kadrian, uh, no, Kadrian Lekkanen. Kadrian Lekkanen. Uh, Nachushkin. Okay, yep. Uh, McKinnon had one at one point, right? No, he didn't. Did he not? Ethan McKinnon had 13 goals to lead his team in the playoffs, and none of them were game winners. None. Who scored the game winner in game six? Was that? Which game six? Uh, the cup, cup game final? six. Lekkanen. Lekkanen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. McKinnon scored the first goal. That was it. That was it. That was it. Okay. Um, but you also had, so Kadri scored one. Um, in the previous, uh, Burakovsky scored the game one overtime winner. McCarr scored one? McCarr did have a game winner. In the yeah. Case. I think McCarr had two, actually, somewhere. Because McCarr, okay. scored in, McCarr scored in overtime against did, Nashville. Did Devon Taves have one? No, I don't believe so. Devon Taves, okay, so Devon Taves had, I'll go, now I'll go back and pull this up really quick, because Devontae's had five goals in the playoffs, none of them were game winners. I know Bowen Byron didn't have one. <laughs> no, but he only, I don't think he scored a goal, actually, to be honest. I know, that was, that's why he I know he didn't had, have one. He he did have four points, though, so I do give him yeah. credit for that. Yeah, no, he had, a, he played well, he had a reason, he had tough matchups. Uh, you know what, the stuff that always impresses me more about guys like that is never the offensive production, it's how good you, and, and how good he was at, at such a young age. Did Logan O'Connor score a game winner? Uh, that's let me see. No, because he only had one. Also, I thought okay. I thought he scored one in in the second round. Okay, let me make this easy for you because I'm going to okay. wipe out three names who did not score a game winner but scored in the playoffs because they only had one goal each. So Eric Johnson had one goal, Logan O'Connor had one goal, and Sam Gerrard had one goal, and they were not the game winner. Wow. Uh, okay, so now we're getting into the territory. By the way, the other game winner in the seven nothing game the one nothing goal yeah uh hang on a minute i actually have to go back and make sure was I'm it landis cog uh landis got for that one yes i believe it was okay. or no wait was that landis cog or nachushkin might have been nachushkin for that i one. thought it was landis cog but okay i believe I, it. I, I thought landis cog scored the first uh goal of maybe it was i'm trying to remember it's my no nachushkin scored the first goal of the seven nothing game you're right okay um Somewhere in there, Andrew Cogliano scored a game winner. Oh, they, they had a seven to three win against. Maybe it was against Edmonton, actually. Yeah. Or no, sorry. In the eight, I'm sorry. Cogliano scored the game winner in the eight six game. Sorry, that's what. Okay, it was. he that had makes sense. seven. It made it seven to three, I think. And Edmonton got it back to one before it was over. Uh, Josh Manson had an overtime game winner at one point. Uh, Darren Helm had the game winner against St. Louis that moved them on in the series. Yep. Uh, I Did already mentioned JT Comfort already? No, but Comfort scored the uh, game winner against uh, St. Louis. All, or against Edmonton, yes. it was That was game three, I believe. Yeah, I'm looking at it. It was game or, three. Uh, okay. Um, we mentioned Kadri. We mentioned Lekkanen, McCarr. Nachushkin, Landis, Gog, McKinnon did not. And there's one more player in the middle who did not have a game-winning goal the entire playoffs. His name is Miko Rantanen. <laughs> if you can believe that two guys like that, Miko Rantanen and Nathan McKinnon, did not score a game-winning goal in the 16 wins in the playoffs. Wild. I know. It, it does not make any and, sense at all. By the way, Nathan McKinnon's one of those guys. You, I physically watched the weight lift from his shoulders. Okay. 
remember how a couple like at way back in the beginning we weren't on this topic yet and I, we were gonna we said we were gonna talk a lot about Kale McCarr and that's fine. Yeah. We did. The guy who I still get up to watch when I hear Colorado Avalanche is Nate. That's fair. I, I think Nate is just so much fun to watch. He has and McCarr has it too, kind of, but McKinnon has when you see him coming through the neutral zone, he's got another gear that he just hits at random right there. Like it's almost like you yeah. see the guy. Like, somebody up in the press box has the has the PlayStation controller that's hitting the turbo button at that moment. Like, and yeah, the problem that now. The problem is he's built like a Mack truck. He is. Yeah, you see the side like, of his shoulders. Like they call him Mac because his name is McKinnon, but it also is a Mack truck. And if he puts his shoulder down and pushes across the blue line are you stepping up on him no good luck okay hello you can only hope to get him to the outside i guess but your best case scenario is mutually assured destruction (laughs) right um now here's here's the thing about by the way uh, they just they just pump out champions in coal harbor don't they you know it's a very small town there's something in the water up there with those two right the very very small town but we're talking two of the top 10 hockey players in this generation to the top five hockey players in this generation. Well, you know what? McKinnon, we all, you know what we all said? Remember, remember back before the conference final? Cause we all said we want to see McKinnon in like, we want to see McKinnon and McDavid in a conference final. Right. And we all said that McKinnon might've gotten over the hump with that. Finally went in in that second round. And we, but we all like, we all wanted, to, we knew somebody was going to get to the final and we're like, oh, whoever it is, it's going to be great. We're, we're right. excited to see it because it's going to be about time. It's, you know, it's awesome. Yeah, it would have been interesting if Colorado or if uh, Edmonton had gotten through. And then instead of the two best teams, we had the best player versus the best team. That would have been an interesting dynamic. I don't, you know, what's funny, though? I don't know if they would have been able to do what, what Colorado did. Colorado gave you total team top to bottom. And those. I mean, I'll tell you up, this. Yeah. Colorado has a better defensive core. Oh, for sure. And I don't think Mike Smith holds up as well as Darcy Kemper did. Sure. Well, and here's here's the thing about it. Like, forget who your goaltender is for a second in that situation. As a team, you went to the third period, up by a goal, 20 minutes away from a Stanley Cup, and you gave up five shots in the third period. Yep. That's it. You shut the door. And you gave up none for the first 10. Yep. Like, it was incredibly impressive. Man, ESPN really did have that stat up the whole period, didn't they? I think they were just reminding people, like, look at look at this. You know, this is domination. Well, it, because it, you know what? It's historic. There's an element yeah. of it that's historic because you dethroned that team. And it really did look like they've played 100 games a season for the last three seasons. Kind of. I mean, it, it, you, they ran out of gas between the injuries and the gas tanks of they, those that were surviving. They didn't it, it, have they a just normal, didn't have it. Yeah, they didn't have a normal three year run because let's let's face it, everybody got a four and a half, five month break between March and late July when you went into the bubble. Sure, but then you but had then, then you had two months of nothing but go hard for the two months. So yes, it's it's demanding, but you did come in refreshed for a two month sprint to the finish, not here's six months grind and then oh by the way, now the marathon continues with two more months of this. It even kind of applied the, like last season. It's not the same. It was a lot of action in, you know, five months, four and a half, five months. But it is only 56 games, not the 82. So right. when you add up the total number of games played from, say, when they came back in August. to well, Yeah, but you're now, also thinking about 
30 playoff games each run. Oh, I am. I'm saying like I'm saying take I'm taking away the regular season cuz right. they got they they got an off season's length in between the start of the Yeah, playoffs. but it, it was already a shortened off season and theirs was shorter than anybody else's. Oh, going into the next year, sure. Would, I'm talking Right. All 3 years. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and well, this is why and this is why this is important because once now you're going to get back on that normal schedule next year and you're not quite getting the same amount of time as everybody else does but you're gonna get some time to rest here and you know what you, you don't have you know what else you don't have to do either you don't have to do all the parade like as much as you would love the parade don't get me wrong of course you would everybody it's, wants to it's, have the it's two weeks of partying and drinking and right you know, there's, and there's, not, a and there's not a lot of recovery like they're gonna go home and they're gonna take a, a break and it's are good you, for them are you willing to put the d word on it um are the tampa bay lightning this iteration of them are they a dynasty they're pretty darn close i mean you know, like I'd love to see if they can get a third somewhere in the next two years to do it okay. because three and like, five is enough for you. Well, you know why? Because to me, you know what? I would say Chicago is kind of a dynasty. The, th the same thing. They had three and six. Three and six. Yeah. But but, but you always I, knew they were there. I think that falls short of dynasty because to me, I feel like a dynasty has to have a repeat in there somewhere. Okay, that's fair. Like at some point, um, you need to be dominant enough that for a full calendar year, you were on top. People chased you, and you still won. I, okay, so let, let me ask it to you this way. Okay, would you consider Chicago a dynasty if they didn't have the repeat like they do? If they win like ten, thirteen, fourteen, or ten, fourteen, fifteen, or something like that? No, no, no. I'm saying they they're not going to repeat, so they'll still win ten, thirteen, fifteen. Okay. But let's let's say somehow or other in the mix somewhere in there, whether it be 11, 12, or fourteen, we throw went, another one in there. No, they went to or the cup final. Another final, because that's what's kind of making me lean it for Tampa. Because three finals if, in a row is pretty damn impressive. If it changes, if it's fourteen, I think I count it because then you win, go to the final, win again. Okay, that's fair, but that's but see what I'm saying. So three I think you need three final appearances in a row to qualify as a dynasty at minimum. Okay, with like with at least two wins. Uh, you know, and here's the thing. Okay, so that's why I'm saying I think that. So I think then Tampa kind of is one because they've got. I think they have to be. They've won back to back. They've gotten the three finals in a row. Yep. They, you know, the year before, the only reason that they didn't was, you know, like. It, craziness happened uh, in the theoretically playoffs. yeah the craziness happened in the playoffs but they were the best team in the regular season to near record proportions right and then you know before that they're they're coming one win short of the cup final and they did make a cup final in 15 with a lot of the same core and you know and the same coach and all that type of stuff like there's a lot of it to me that is starting to uh you know I think that that's what makes me think, lean more towards it for Tampa because okay. it's it, I can't argue with six conference finals in eight years. I just can't argue with that. Like you're one of the final four teams regular, like so regularly. Who do you think is more likely to win the cup next year? And I'm going to name a couple of teams and I'm going to put them against the field. I'm going to make it easy for you. So does one of Colorado, Tampa, Toronto, Florida, win the cup next year or is it the rest of the field um i have a little bit of okay so i'm gonna break down the four that you gave first sure because i'm not gonna go crazy with the field because the field includes teams I, that we know don't have a shot yeah I yeah I, I think it's this is a nice even toss-up i know um you know what 
it's hard to bet against Tampa and Colorado, quite frankly. It, it is hard to bet against Tampa and Colorado. Um, I'm a little like, unsure. I'm a little unsure. Like, of Florida. Is, is anybody surprised if we see a Detroit Pittsburgh situation and we see both these teams here next year? Uh, probably not. Uh, nobody. That, yeah. Um, okay. So I'm trying to think of any other teams that I would consider like that. I that, and again, it's way too early to do this because we have to see what. Oh, I know it is. Off season, but. Let's put it this way. It's funny you bring up Toronto because I saw something earlier today that Toronto is like are apparently the early betting darling for this, like for futures bets next year. That they're it's apparently finally the their league. time to I don't get know. over the hump. And I don't know um, if that's going to be the case or not, but we'll I see. Think, I think the pressure clock's starting to get to them. Austin Matthews doesn't have oh, I too agree. much time left. Well, in that He's case, gonna need then, a new deal soon. Well, guess what? In that case, then I'm not maybe not for a deal type of thing, but like he's got I, two years I, left, I, and he's walking right to UFA. Well, listen, if, um, look, if. And the cap ain't going up this year. It's going up a million bucks. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I'm thinking, like, because I'm thinking Edmonton's got to fall into that boat a little bit, too, because the long, look, the longer you have a McDavid, the more that every year that goes by it becomes unacceptable that you're not there. I'm stunned he hasn't asked for a trade out already. And I think if they didn't make the run they made this year, I think this could have very easily been it. Confidence, like. Oh, yeah, now he's back, especially if they bring Vander Kane back. But that's a whole other situation that we're not going to be have time well, to cover need, on this need, show. They need to do more than that anyway, so forget that. But um, I kind of like Florida is a tough one to get a read on right now because they're going to have to do a lot. Like Fair. there's a lot of construction that needs to be done with that. Not First of all, in terms of getting a team that you think can kind of compete with, because like, they still kind of can't compete with Tampa. Like when it comes right. to crunch time, they can't compete well, with Tampa. Number well, and they one. currently have some salary cap problems. And that's the other thing. You've got to work around. Then you got to do cap gymnastics. Yep. Uh, do you know who I would like? I, I almost wonder, like, if I can talk you into swapping out Florida with the Rangers, then I might really <sighs> lean towards that group of four. I just don't want to talk about the Rangers possibly winning a cup. I know, year. but they're it there, and, you're, and you so know they're going to be there. That's the thing. I know. And. Adam Fox is really good, and Octavian Panarin's really you good, think... and Mika Zibanejad's really good, oh, and that. Igor Shostarkin you... is friggin' incredible. No, but you, forget all of that. You think that Colorado's defensive core is young and good? I know. The Rangers have four regular defensemen under the age of tw- or of the age of twenty three or under. Yep. That's absurd. But besides the <sighs> point with that, like, look, can we there's... file? Can we file a formal complaint to go to like the Central Division? <laughs> I'll play Kirill Kaprizov. He's fun. Yeah, I hear you. Um, like, there are teams. There are other teams in the field that I don't want to just gloss over. Like, thank Carolina, God the Islanders are going to fall apart. I mean, Carolina's got to be a team that's going to start to work their way. It's got they got to start working their way more into that conversation at some point. Maybe they need a little bit more. Like, I hate to. Say, I, I think it's weird that I'm going to say it, but maybe they need a little bit more skill. They're starting to get into that. Can they get over the hump conversation? Well, because because I think that they that's why I said it, it's crazy to say that I think they might need more skill, but I don't think you can lean on Svechnikov Aho all the time. You need right. somebody else who buries it, but beside the point. I'm gonna get a prediction from you here and then we're gonna go hit the the Hall of Fame and then we're gonna get out yeah, of here. The Hall of Fame thing is more of a discussion I wanna have than right, who's going in. But let's right see. now, June twenty eighth, yes. twenty twenty two, a take that is sure to age poorly. <laughs> Kevin Durso, who wins the 2023 Stanley Cup? Oh, man, alive. I mean, right right now, I, yeah. I, right now I would probably, I mean, 
I'm not sure how, like I'm trying to figure out how Colorado is going to run it back as much as they can because you know they're going to try to. Um, the two guys that I have trouble seeing with Colorado beyond this year specifically, and I'm sure there's more that are have their contracts up that we can factor into that, but Kadri's contract is obviously up. And Manson's a guy who I don't know if he's going to stick. Like, Manson right. could just go walking straight back home to Anaheim again. That's fair. Um, You know, take take the cup ring that you won in Colorado. Had a great time, but my home, like, I did this for the, like, doing it for, like, to win and then going back to a place where he feels settled and comfortable. Um, I'm if, gonna they hit... keep, if they could keep Manson, then I think that they're, like, if they can keep Manson, I don't like. I don't even know who's going to be the goaltender next year at this point. That's how crazy. And I know it sounds crazy. Fair. I, I think that they have some questions to answer at that position a little bit. But they've proven you can win without the elite goaltender because the That's defense fair. is elite. Like at the end of the day, McCarr and Taves are not going anywhere at the top. Byram's going to be there. Manson maybe. We'll see. And then you still go behind them, and you get Gerard you know, comes back next year. Gerard comes back, probably plays with Byram, and then you got. Uh, Eric Johnson on there, and you know if Manson, whoever's there, Jack Johnson. You could say Jack Johnson, or Jack Johnson can go back to be in the seventh, and you can pick any. You know, again, pick the low risk, high reward guy who probably fits into the system well enough because the system, you know, runs on all cylinders. I'm gonna hit you with a spicy one. Okay, who are you picking? At some point, maybe it's the off season, maybe it's the trade deadline. Okay. This team trades for John Gibson. Colorado does. No, 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 no. The team oh. I'm going to predict trades oh, okay. for John Gibson and then rides him like a pony to the Stanley Cup final. Okay, well, then obviously it's not Anaheim because Anaheim's trading John Gibson, apparently. And that's going to be the Edmonton Oilers. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Tell me you don't love it. Uh, listen, I- I'm all for getting, I'm all for Connor McDavid playing meaningful playoff games and, well, and Leon Dreisettle for that matter. And better yet, I'm all for Connor McDavid and a healthy Leon Dreisettle or mostly healthy Leon Dreisettle playing in the playoffs that late. Man, because he was playing hurt. Whew. Well, that does, it, it makes the 30, it makes the 30 some odd points all the more spectacular. It's spectacular. You're like, right. He did it on one foot. Like, come yep. on. I mean. By the end of the year, there were a lot of guys who were playing on stuff. I mean, I don't know if you caught the list. Like, the Lightning list came out today. And I Insane. There were some, some – I, I know for Colorado, they had a couple of them. Because Kadri, like, shouldn't have been back for six weeks. He came back in two. Like, Cogliano, half of these guys, it should have just said N-A parentheses. Cogliano's middle finger was broken. Unlike a, unlike a former Flyers goaltender. Unlike Alex Lyons. <laughs> suspended um, for two games. What a joke. <laughs> I just wanted to get that in there. That's all. Um, who was the other one I saw for Colorado? Oh, the, the picture that went around of Nachushkin's foot. Oh, my God. Nachushkin's foot is, like, done for, but who cares? He won a Stanley Cup. And, Making uh, a, a UFC reference here. His foot was a balloon. <laughs> That's a Conor McGregor reference. There you go. All right, are we on to this Hall of Fame thing really quick, and then we're out of here? By the way, Yeah, so is, is Colorado officially your, your pick for next year? You know, today, yes. Okay. But I I, do, I am curious about the offseason with them. Like, like I the, said, takes that are short to age poorly. No problem. But for now, they are. Um, I would love to see what happens with the Kadri thing and what happens with some of the other players, but we'll see what happens. And, and, All right. And as we wrap that, by the way, because I think we want to make sure we say it, congratulations to the Colorado yeah, Avalanche. Absolutely. Because, congratulations. You know, Third Stanley Cup in franchise I, history, I, first I remember, in 21 years. If I remember correctly, by the way, uh, I believe that I came on here after the first round of the playoffs and said it feels like the like remember how last year it was it's Tampa's time it's Tampa's time or two years ago it was uh, I said I, f- I feel like it's Colorado's time 
I'm willing to give you that. That's fair. I think I, 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 this was a feeling. They, they're that good of a team, and I'm, I was really happy to see them win, actually, because they've got a lot of guys that I think are easy to root for, notably the McKinnons. Landis, so, Landis Cog, was, it was great to see him lift the cup first, by would the way. You, would you say that some of these guys are future Hall of Famers? Um, It's still early for some of them, but there's uh, let's miss There's one guy who is very it, well Is on Nathan the McKinnon a future Hall of Famer? Um. Give me a minute, actually, because I want to see what his career stats are. Because <laughs> I know, let's just wait. The, the, I, it feels like he knew. I want to say this: Nathan McKinnon knew knew about his legacy from before this season, because the line last year at the press conference when they lost, been in the league nine years and haven't won anything, kind of thing. Right. Like he knew. He knew that the career is marred without the cup. Right, and, and now he has it. He's got it. I mean. I you're think looking, that's enough to put him in, quite frankly, just with the the individual what? success he's you're had. You're looking at a, jeez. See, I didn't even like. I keep forgetting how young he still is, too. You're yep. looking at a guy who's going to be 27 in September. Yep. Who's played 638 games? No signs of slowing down. He'll eclipse a thousand easy. He, he's about a year older than Braden Point, a guy we talked about earlier. Yeah, roughly. And think about that. 600. Right. No, it's 638 games, 648 points, 242 goals. I mean, if the guy just – first of all, he's going to eclipse the 1,000-point mark at this rate because why wouldn't he? Right. And if he, and if he, if he gets to 502, then, yeah, I think he got a case. And naturally, I think that uh, a certain defenseman is well on his way, don't you think? Yeah. You're the only player in the NHL history to win the Hobie Baker, Calder, Norris, Conn Smythe, and Stanley Cup. And, and I wanna I wanna pump the brakes a little bit because the kid's twenty three and only has yeah, one way, full eighty two game like, season. Oh, by the way, the only other defensemen who were that age or younger that won the Con Smythe that's were, fair. were only Sir Savard and oh, by the way, what what's that other dude's name? Bobby Orr. That's pretty good. Well, listen. Nathan McKinnon may or may not be a future Hall of Famer, but we do have some names that definitely are future Hall of Famers, and we know that because they have been announced. Yeah, this was cool. I've... Yeah, so we have the Hockey Hall of Fame class of 2022, and it includes Roberto Luongo, Daniel Alfredson, Rika Salonen, Herb Carnegie, and both Sedin brothers, Henrik and Daniel, obviously going in as a duo, just like they were drafted, just like they played their whole careers, just like they retired. Right. I mean, now that shouldn't, like, that really And that surprise. surprises zero people. Right. Now, I've seen some people on here who are going, like, what are they getting in for kind of thing? Like, that's, What that's... jerk-off Hall of Fame writer votes for Daniel but not Henrik or vice versa? Well, here's the thing. It's not – okay, so it's not done like baseball, so it's done like a – there's only a selection committee. Oh, it's a selection committee? Okay, yeah. but still, what selection committee member is picking one and not the other? Let's be honest. Let's look at hockey honestly through an honest lens. Yeah, do you know why? Because – because they were joined at the hip their entire career, and no, I'm not, not convinced even... they didn't change jerseys at least once. That's Don't tell even... me they didn't pull the parent trap. <laughs> That's not even it. You know why? Because of the fact that the, you're sitting here talking about a selection committee. Yeah, you know what? We have this conversation all the time in baseball because baseball, it is writers. It's the people who cover the sport that then make the decision on whether you were a Hall of Fame player or not. You know right. who's making the phone calls to the players who make the Hockey Hall of Fame? Two Hockey Hall of Famers, Lanny McDonald and Mike Gartner, are making the phone calls to tell you, hey, among the people who are on this committee, us included, by the way, right. we made, we're telling you you're in the Hall of Fame. Congratulations. Welcome to the Brotherhood. Like, it's very much done like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so, 
Listen, Kevin Love is in the Kevin Love is in the yeah, I know. the Hockey Hall of Fame. Like, 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 come on, come on. Let's be honest. I mean, and this is why I want to have this discussion because we are going to run down the list of names that did make it, but there's names that haven't made it yet that we feel I feel like we need to mention. Are you going to mention Alexander McGillney? Absolutely. I tweeted his name first. Everybody has. But okay, so let's start with this because we're going through the class kind of and all stuff. Like, by the way. Um, to go through the whole thing here, uh, Rika Salonen, who is the female player who's going in, is is pretty much, you know, if you can pick, you know, if, if you're talking about the the top players in the U.S. or Canada at the women's hockey level, this is Finland's, you know, top player yes. all time. Like, absolutely. this is Finland's all-timer. So, this is Finland's Wayne Gretzky. This is... Right. For, for women's hockey, absolutely. Yes. The, She's there, Marie-Philippe Poulain. Oh, for sure. And, you know, and everybody else who came before her, too, that, like, you can throw in there. Like, there's tons, you know. They're, they're, obviously, like, that, there's been a big contingent of that in, like, I, I, I'm trying to remember what year that really started. I think it was either 2010 or 2011 was when they really started to bring female players into the mix. And now there's pretty much one annually, at least. Right. Sometimes there's two. Um, and it's, and which is great to see, honestly. They need to be recognized more, to be honest. Um, because, because I, th- I like, one of the thing that was things I know is brought up is you know everybody focuses on the Olympics between all of them. Whatever country wins, it's usually you know we get to expect usually the U.S. Canada gold medal game in women's yep. hockey. But like they they do more outside of the Olympics, obviously, and it never really gets talked about. So. Right. Sure. Um, and then the Herb Carnegie story is like he he's no longer here. Obviously, he's he passed away a few years ago. I think about a decade ago. Um, but. It's it's a pretty remarkable story because he's an African American general manager type who built like was who had to, just a lot of obstacles. It's a it's a lot of people have written about it. Uh, I can't really remember exactly who has, but there's a lot of stories out there about it since this happened. Sure, and it was you know he's incredibly deserving as well. Yeah, and then you get the four players that we all know from the NHL, and we like the Sedin twins. It just felt obvious. Like sure, come on, like. Their international success dictated, and and it's too natural yeah. for them to go in together. Like you couldn't split them up or do anything like that. No, of course. Um, not. Luongo is fourth all time in wins. Yeah, he was not not ender. getting in. Like, if, I'm sorry if you're behind. You know, let's. But we know you're behind two guys who are definitely who are already in there, and then one who's definitely going to be there when his career is over because he's still playing. So you're behind. Was, was Bobby Lou in net for tw- in 2010 for Canada? Absolutely. Yeah, that's it. You win, a, you win a gold medal for Canada, you're going in the right, Hall of Fame. And that's why the lack, like, you're looking at four players who are making the Hall of Fame this year as NHL players who never won a cup. There's no yep. cups between them. That's insane. But it doesn't matter because their achievements and their, what they were able, what they've done for their, you know, at the NHL level, what they've done internationally, it all stands out. Um, so Luongo is fourth all time in wins. He's behind Wah, Brodor, and Flurry. I wonder how and many compare- going to make it eventually. I wonder how many comparisons will be made between Danny Alfredson and uh, Claude Giroux. <laughs> uh, we'll see about that. But uh, f- listen, for me, it could end up there. I hear you. For me specifically, though, as I looked at it, like it's about time for Daniel Alfredson, though. Yeah, he belongs. And uh, you know what? I think one of the things that matters, at least to me, that matters, I think, is if you're the guy who defines an entire franchise, like quite literally, like. You know, and I'm not talking about hey, Claude no, I know. with the Flyers. Like this is a guy who pretty much from the time that they came, but when the Ottawa Senators were back yep. from you know and all that, it was it was him. Back with that original 2D logo. 
Yeah, which I'm so glad they went back to. Oh yeah, him. it's so it was, sweet. It was him. It's 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 always been him. He was an outstanding player, and he's deserving of this, no question about it. Now I lumped in. Okay, so I said you you hit the nail on the head when I said like I said when's it going to be time for Alexander McGillian? I had another name that I mentioned specifically, okay. and then I, then I could elaborate on more later as a conversation kind of struck up, but because uh, this was on Twitter, obviously, uh, I feel like it's an obvious name. You should know where I'm going with it because you love this guy. Okay. Rod Brandemore. Yeah. When's it time for Rod? There just there, wasn't there wasn't enough room. You know what? Honestly, I heard I heard they were worried about security at the venue because Rod was bringing those guns in. You know, <laughs> like come on now, Rod the Bod. Didn't call him Rod the Bod for nothing. I guess that's a licensed uh, weapon right there. <laughs> so now here's the thing. There are uh, among the others, and I agree with these names as well because I had somebody send these over too, and this is fair. Because uh, first of all, Keith Kachuk, anyone? Yeah. How about Jeremy Roenick? <laughs> to me, it just gets funnier every year. Jeremy Roenick doesn't get in at this point, just I because, mean, just because be it's not. funny. It. He better be careful, or he's gonna end up Kurt Schilling himself. Well, yeah, it could eventually lead to that, but yeah. I and, it. like, I'm not saying he deserves that. I'm not making <laughs> passing judgment on Jeremy Roenick one way or the other. But if he's not careful, he's not. He... JR, you might have to kiss some booty here. If you want that Hall of Fame ring, you might want to You might want to pucker up a little. Like, like, okay, so this is, the, and this is the thing. For the life of me, I cannot figure out why McGillany's not in or Kachuk's not in or, or Brenda Moore's not in. Like, yeah. Those are like you sit there and you go, what more do they have to do? They already had great, like they had great playing careers. The numbers speak for themselves. There's not like, at least with Ronick, I can understand if there's some like, you know, doubts because of his character a little bit or his like he look is it was he, when he played he was a character and he was funny and it was great for the game. Right. Well, and, and then a- it got a little controversial and he lost the TV gig and all that stuff. So you know right. what I mean? Like, it, sometimes way, you it, mentioned you mentioned McGillney. There is an argument that he should be in in the building category, like just as the first yeah, guy to like that. he's the first guy to defect over from Soviet Russia. Like at the time, quite dangerous. Like we've sure. all we've all heard the story of how Evgeny Malkin got to the U.S. McGillney was twenty years earlier and at the height of the Cold War. Right. Like now, I just, hello. I want to bring up some some names here really quick because. There are names that are not in the, these are names that are not in the Hall of Fame, and some of them I'm gonna I'm gonna skip because I'm what I'm looking at is is that okay so again not to make a baseball reference with this but yeah but what what's the target in baseball if you're a 500 home run guy which is like the 500 goals or if you're 3,000 hits which is probably like a thousand points right like you hit certain get to certain clubs that are pretty exclusive like I'm looking at 1,500 games I'm looking at like I'm looking at the points totals right now like the all-time yeah. points leaders in the NHL. There's only 93 people who have ever reached a thousand points, Phew, so wow. it's that's an exclusive enough class as it is, right? So shouldn't everybody who's in that group theoretically be in? Uh, I'm theoretically willing to hear arguments against people, but yes, generally speaking, I would agree that okay. if you make that list, I'm you going, should I'm, probably be in. Because I'm going to read names that are not in the Hall of Fame. Okay. From from the highest on the list to I'll go down to the lowest because sure. the lowest one is probably one we're going to talk about more, but outside, okay. Outside of active players, the top 33 are in the hall of fame. The only three that are not would be Joe Thornton, 
Alex Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby. Right. Pretty safe to say I think all of them are going to make it when their right. time comes. I, yeah. Uh, like, I don't the, think it's going to happen, but Crosby's no. more likely to get the waiting period waived than not get in on the first ballot. I hear you. That's probably true, actually. Right. Um, okay, so number 34 on the points list is not in the Hall of Fame. That would be Pierre Turgeon. Okay. Who, by the way, had 1,327 points. Probably should be there. Yeah. Let's just be honest. Well, considering the fact that the okay, now these are Hall of Fame. These are Hall of Famers. So these are the names right after him: Gilbert Perot, Jerome McGinley, Alex Delvecchio, Al McGinnis, Jean Rattel, Peter Stastny, Phil Housley. Those are like the next eight after him. Yeah, if if John Rattel is in, Alexander McGillney should be in. Let's. Be by the honest. way, as, as I go, okay, so Phil Housley was forty-one. Norm Ullman's forty-two. Jean Beliveau's forty-three. Larry Murphy's thirty-four or forty-four. Sorry. If I, I'm going to skip 45 because 45 is not in the Hall of Fame. Number 46, by the way, is Bobby Clark. Nice. So the player who is at 45 who is not in, and again, we just kind of had a little discussion about him, so it's Jeremy Roenick. Okay. Then you start to get into some, like, then you start to get into this argument, like, because this is where you can do the arguments for and arguments against thing, probably kind of, because now we're going to go in an order where. Okay, I, I got another couple. Like are of these actors. are these guys with fewer than eleven hundred points? Fewer than twelve hundred, but more than eleven hundred. Okay, fair enough. Um, and this is where I am. This is why I'm getting interesting. We all just we both just sat here and said Rod Brindamore, right? Yeah, should yep. be in. Okay, Brindamore's fifty first, one thousand one hundred eighty four points. Above him now, this, he's got some time, so I, can, I don't. He'll probably make it on merit of how long he was around. But Patrick Marlowe is directly above him. Okay. He'll probably make it for the all-time game. Yeah, he's not even eligible to be voted upon at this point. Um, There is a Hall of Famer right above Marlowe in 49th. That's Dino Cicerelli. And then you've got two more names in front of him below Clark that are not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, That would be Bernie Nichols and Vincent Domfus. I'm not completely sure, but they both are over 1,200 points. Right. It feels like it's hard to argue. You know, yeah. And, and like at that point, you're we're talking about stained excellence over a large number of years. Like this but, isn't something. Like okay, for example, Bernie Nichols is one of I think seven or eight players in NHL history with a seventy goal season. That alone is not enough to get in, but the fact that you have twelve hundred career points or right. pretty close to that. Hello, right now, Hall uh, of Fame. Here's the interesting part again, because now to uh, skipping the fact that Marlowe's not eligible yet. And you've got three others in the top 20, I guess. Yeah, 20, 21 that are active, technically. So then the list becomes that are not in the Hall of Fame and are eligible. Terjan, Ronick, Nichols, Domfus, like I just said. Marlowe is going to be eligible eventually. Brindamore. And then you have this massive run of either they're active or they're in. Right. The only two actives that are on the list as I go for, through are Patrick Kane and Evgeny Malkin. And they're not done playing, so the number that they already have is going to get higher. They're going to climb that list more. Sure. They're probably going to make And it. they're going to get in. If you don't right. think of Jenny Malkin's in on his first ballot. They're in because of the f- they're in for one reason and one reason only, and it's not going to be whatever number of points they finish with. They're in because of the number three. Yep. That's what they're in for. Um, the next guy I come to, and by the way, Henrik Sedin comes up at 67, so he's going in. One of the names, by the way, I passed on that list of run of Hall of Famers. Is is Alfredson the one of the newest? So he's yep. in. Um, how about Theo Flurry? 
Is Theo Fleury a Hall of Famer? Uh, hmm, uh, a lot of people a lot of people believe he should be to be honest for his on ice contributions he probably deserves it okay that's <sighs> now let's let, let's put it this way theo flurry in his career by the way has 18 more points than henrik sedin does okay daniel sedin comes in at 76th on the points list at 1,041 points. And I just want you to hear some of the names that are not in that, um, like, they're not in, but they should, like, or they could be. And they have more points than Sedin does. Daniel Sedin. Okay. Does. Ray Whitney. Pat Verbeek. Dave Taylor. Andre Kopitar has more points. He's still active. He might make the, he might make it with two cups. Yeah. You, so far, you haven't named a name that I'm like, yeah, that guy's better than. Better than. Than McGilney, than any of these guys we're talking about. Like, all okay. these guys, I'd put them a, a tier below. Okay. How about – there's a couple of interesting names as you get down here. Because, well, is this is still – he's still listed as active. I think he's kind of close to the end. But is Eric Stahl a Hall of Famer? Does he have one cup? He does because he won with Carolina. Yes. One cup. It's tough, I'm going to say no. Okay. But I no, wouldn't be fine. surprised if he got in. Uh, how about Doug Waite? I'm sorry, I missed that. How about Doug Waite? Probably should be. Okay. He's one point more than McGillney, by the way. Okay. And then four points or three points below McGillney is Alex Kovalev. Is Alex Kovalev a Hall of Famer to you? I'll be honest, I don't remember enough about Alex Kovalev off okay. the top of my head okay, to make that fine. call. I'll pick a player that I know you've actually seen. Is Patrick Elias a Hall of Famer? Man. <laughs> and he's, he's got a, cups. He was, a, he was a Hall of Fame son of a bitch, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> he's got, and he's got cups. You can't deny uh, it. He's got cups. So, okay. There's a lot of people that believe he should be in. Ten-year-old me says, no. <laughs> I like the voice with it, too. But, like, reasonably probably. Okay. And then the last name I'm going to bring up, because this is a local discussion. He's the 93rd player on the list of 93 that have 1,000 points in their hockey career, in their NHL career. Should Brian Propp be in the Hall of Fame? Yes. Okay. There you go. <laughs> is that a little bit of hometown bias? You know what? And that is, that is just how we like to do it on this show, and I think that's a good little place to put a bow on it. <laughs> Uh, just like we wish to congratulations to the hockey hall of or the the Colorado Avalanche for winning the Stanley Cup, we do also want to wish a sincere congratulations to is, the Hockey Hall of Fame class of 2022. It's a discussion that has uh, come up a couple times recently. One, one more it time, is, I will read it out. It is oh, yeah. uh, Roberto Luongo, Henrik Sedin, Daniel Sedin, Daniel Alfredson, Rika, uh, Rika Salonen, and Herb Carnegie. From you would think we do congratulate you. You know, it's come up a little bit in conversation recently. It's still a bucket list trip for me and. Probably was put on, obviously put on hold a little bit by everything in the world. I got to do this sometime soon and get up there and the hockey hall of fame. Oh yeah, and I mean yeah. just probably just spend two hours in the in the great hall alone where the Stanley Cup is with all the other trophies. If you plan just, for if you plan for it next year, you might, might watch McGillney go in. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm going up when the class stuff is. I, I like. I, I, Come on, that would that would be fun. It's in November though. I'm in the middle of covering. Yeah, that's games. fine. I don't take right. road trips like that though. Then I gotta go. Like I'm gonna go in the summer probably when I'm not working. 
That's fair. You know, and can take some can take some real time off. But but like seriously, like I probably would spend two hours just where all those you know the glass plaques are that they put on the wall and just be taking pictures with a bunch of them. Oh, and there's absolutely. A, there's a ton of other cool stuff that's around inside of the place too. Besides that, but like that to me is the trip to just look at the names. And yeah, that's at, definitely. And look at the cup and find the names too, because that's the whole point. That is definitely on the bucket list, and you know, honestly, bucket list hockey trips might be a good little summer show topic because we are getting oh. towards our summer schedule here. Uh, Funny we you are should on say our... that because whenever that conversation comes up and the hockey hall of fame gets mentioned, there's probably about four other places I want to try to go when I'm up in Canada. So absolutely. Yeah. I think we'll talk about that on another show for sure. Let's do yeah, that. Yeah. That seems like a great little summer topic. We'll put that one in the bank. Uh, we will be back in the cup in a couple of weeks with a post draft show. Um, we'll see what the flyers do with that fifth overall pick. It's kind of a matter of who falls to them at this point. So, uh, yeah, not really a whole lot to go into there. We'll see if they keep I'm that still, pick. We'll see if they move that pick. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Can I say the one thing that I said before, yeah. before the show then? Because I know I kind of came on when they got the fifth pick and said for gut feeling was they'll trade it. I feel like now I like 95% certain they're going to keep that pick probably. I, I don't that's disagree. My, I think at this point. now. Uh, I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't really dove into a whole lot on the prospects yet. I was kind of just in, wrapped up in the cup final and the coaching search a lot. So. And I really do think there's a chance things just go topsy-turvy here and we see something wild. Well, there's a and, chance. Well, and here's the thing, not to try to jump too far ahead here, but when we, we do the next show, like, I got a lot of stuff going on in the next couple of weeks that people will realize soon enough. I'm not going to share now. Yep. Um, but we'll see what, like, I'll see what I can put together later with this, like, as, as it gets closer. I have some stuff I'll work on with the draft, but... And for now, it was kind of pushed off until the cup was over. And, and when Kevin does produce that stuff, you can see it on his Twitter at Kevin underscore Durso. Make sure you follow us at, at YWT Podcast. Uh, you can find the show on Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SportstalkPhilly.com, YouTube. We're all over the place. Make sure to follow Sports Talk Philly at Sports Talk PHL at Flyer Delphia. They have Delphias for all the sports, so... All right, we are back in our summer schedule, so we'll be back in a week and a half for two weeks or so, depending on when this comes out. And uh, until then, we'll see you. And uh, happy 4th of July. <laughs> <laughs>